Drama City Productions presets. Access granted. Welcome, nerd. Episode 47. Video games, movies, comics, wrestling. Load complete. Christian. Hey, this is Damon. This is the Amazing Nerd Show. So, Christian. Yes, Damon. I'm on a low-carb diet right now. Ah, ew. Yeah. <laughs> I fucking hate it. It's horrible. So, I've been on it for, like, maybe two weeks. And my... You know, at first, it sounded like a good idea. Like, oh, well, you can eat meat. Well, I mm-hmm. like meat. You mean, like, I could have, like, a plate of bacon or a steak or whatever? That sounds like an awesome diet. But my God, everything you love has carbs in it. Yeah. Literally everything you love. I've been counting the days to Thanksgiving because I said my first cheat day is going to be fucking Thanksgiving and I am going to kill it on Thanksgiving. <laughs> I lost a decent amount of weight. I mean, not tons, but mm-hmm. like a decent amount. I am going to gain all that weight back on Thanksgiving. I think I did Atkins for like a week. Oh, really? Or something. Okay. It's very similar. I mean, I'm not doing mm-hmm. it right at all. <laughs> <laughs> But I've still lost weight for some reason. Mm. But my God, I, I'm, my God, I'm going to kill it on Thanksgiving. Like, I might even gain more weight from my original weight. So, you might be sitting across from like, like a 300 pound <laughs> man. Like, Won't even be able like, to recognize What him. happened? Yeah, it's going to be ugly. It's well, not going to be good. For Thanksgiving, I'm going to a Brazilian steakhouse where they just keep serving meat. Is that like a family like tradition? No. Um, I needed a place to go. Uh, we figured, I was trying to find one that was open that has reservation. Because okay. I did find a couple other ones, but every time I put in a reservation, they're like, no, we're booked. Okay. So I was like, okay, Fogo is open. So is this you and your mother? Yes. Okay. Okay. That's exciting. I mean, mm. hey, whatever. <laughs> That's, I mean, Braz- I've never been to a Brazilian steakhouse. They are really That's with the, just the swords of fucking meat. Yes. See? Right now, it sounds horrible to me just because that's all I've been eating is meat. It's, but it's top notch. Yeah, no, I know. Trust me. Usually I'd be all about it. I'm just so tired of meat right now. You know, I need some fucking bread, man. <laughs> just a slice of Wonder Bread. And that's I'd be the addiction, heaven. man. That's, it's, oh, it's just talking to you. My God. <laughs> I'm dying here. So, but anyway. Hey, maybe you should try an all fish diet. Oh, I hate fucking fish. No way, man. I couldn't do it. So you couldn't be Aquaman? No. So oh, beautiful segue. Bravo. <laughs> Bravo, Christian. <laughs> so Aquaman, pre-sale-wise, is doing fantastic. Yes. It's actually outpacing Venom right now on Fandango. Yes. I use Fandango, yes. Oh, do you? Okay. Mm. okay. Um, so, I mean, and they dropped the final trailer this week. It looks fucking great. Once again, looks epic. I I'm excited for this movie. You know, I'm I, 
God, maybe I'm an idiot. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, man. Been burned too many times. Uh, I'm just, I'm, I'm walking into this, whatever. We got lots of William Defoe this time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, kind of playing Aquaman's mentor. I can't remember his name. You know, I'm not an Aquaman uh-huh. guy at all. So, but I don't know, man. I really hope James Wan just like knocks it out of the park. I really do. Um, I feel like that fandom deserves it, mm. you know, and it seems like they're eating this shit up. They're ready to go. So, um, I, I don't know. They've, uh, Amazon Prime members are getting like an early, like, yeah, whole weekend before the Saturday before it's, uh, you know, like a seven o'clock showing. Like I'm, I'm like tempted to like check mm. that out. Just you better early. check soon. There's Cause it's, tickets flying. Yeah. And it, well, cause it, it, is it the 21st or the 22nd it comes out? Um, 22nd. Yeah, that's a shitty fucking week. Mm. You know, I know that's usually. I feel like that's been Star Wars week the last like couple years. But, yeah, but I mean, it's, it's always a pain open. to like. Try I felt to... like Aquaman was coming out way earlier. It was originally. Month, I think okay. it was coming out in November, gotcha. and they pushed it to December. So um, I'm not sure why. They probably learned from Star Wars success though, mm. because people tend to have. We the, probably talked the about holidays. It. <laughs> off. No, I'm sure. I'm sure at the time we did, but that was probably 30 episodes mm. ago at this point. Uh, but yeah, no, they, they tend to have the holidays off. So, I mean, people have nothing else to do, but go see movies. So why not? You know, it makes sense. Um, I don't know. Are you, so you're still hesitant on it. Uh, I'm not like, you know, super like, oh, this movie's going to be terrible. I'm just like, eh, I'll be fine either way. I could see it or not see it, but I'm going to, I mean, we do a podcast, so I'm going to see it. <laughs> um, do you feel like if you weren't doing a podcast, would you go see this? I'd go see it, but it would be probably wouldn't be like day one. Okay, so I might wait for the reviews on that. But mm-hmm. yeah, no, I'm excited. I just, I just want something good for like you know DC fans, yeah. and I'm a DC fan. I keep on saying like they're different people, um, but yeah, I just want, I want them to do well, you know, because I want more movies. So I feel like if this does poorly. <laughs> I don't know where they turn, you yes. know, or they just say, okay, goodbye, DCEU. I mean, as as but they've not... got, they've got Wonder Woman still, so yes. they still, you know, that's in good hands, too. I don't know. We haven't, have we seen, we haven't seen any kind of Wonder Woman trailer. No. So do you think we get, like, a taste of the Wonder Woman uh, trailer? I think they're going to save it for next year during busy season. During the really? Whole, I mean, that's, it was, that was around when it was supposed to come out and then they pushed it. Right. Oh, yeah. And it's, so, it's a ways off at this it's point. It's a whole other year, right? Yeah, but if you want to get good buzz, you know, around Aquaman, at least throw that Wonder Woman, a teaser maybe in there to get people even more incentive to get in that theater. Um, you know, just saying. Mm. It w- I wouldn't put it past Warner Brothers to do something like that. So, smart marketing. But uh, speaking of trailers, the Avengers might actually be getting a trailer this week. Yes. Black Friday. <laughs> so... Um, you know, everyone's off. It makes sense, mm-hmm. right? You get everyone talking on the internet about your trailer. I mean, I think people have been like rumoring this for a while now that it was supposed to come out this week. Well, they said definitely November, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, it would make sense. Um, I, oh God, I, I, I just need this trailer now. I, I really do. I can't. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. All of the news about the costumes, though, I don't. I have zero interest seeing them in like a whole unit team costume. I have a feeling it's like a scene, mm-hmm. you know, like the toys leak, and I think people just jump to the conclusion like it's like literally the whole movie. My feeling is probably like um, the quantum realm shit, 
you know, because definitely the quantum realm has been like heavily rumored that it's going to be a big part of the movie. So I have a feeling that's all because like it can't just be space. Because like, why the hell would Tony Stark, you know, Iron Man, need a fucking suit, you know, in space? And then why would Thor, you know, and the Hulk need something in space? Mm. So it 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 just wouldn't make any sense. It, it can't just be like team like unity. <laughs> You know, keeping these matching uniforms. So, toys, man, they make if you like. There's a scene with something, <laughs> in it, you know, with a certain accessory. They're going mm-hmm. to make a toy of it, especially something as popular as the, you know, Avengers. Mm-hmm. So, I, I think people are reading way too much into it. But we don't have anything else to talk about with the movie. So, <laughs> finally, we'll get something on Black Friday. Hopefully, hopefully, hopefully <laughs> not Godwood. So, uh, speaking of the MCU. We got reports um, of a, another possible TV series coming yes. to Disney+. Plus. Uh, Rocket and Groot are supposed to be getting their own show. And there's, once again, and this, is, this just broke today, so there's very little detail about it. But it sounds like it, it could be a miniseries. They don't know what the timeline would be for mm. this movie. Um, you were kind of saying you could see it being like a yeah, precursor to everything that happened. And like I feel like they're just sitting in a room right now, just like throwing out ideas, and then someone's like just typing them and like, sending them out into the ether. Really? At this point. I feel like mm, maybe maybe they're like throwing it out there to like test the waters and see. I do believe that they're probably further ahead with that vision and Scarlet Witch. That, well, not the oh. vision, um, uh, Loki. Because Loki, yeah. Loki, that was actually announced officially. Um, the Falcon and Winter Soldier one, I don't think, was officially announced, mm. but it's something that they're definitely talking about. I mean, it's smart if you really want to, like, bridge the gap between your movies, you know, to have these little stories to just, you know, wet everyone's whistle and get them excited again, because there's going to be such a huge gap between the Guardian movies right now. Um, they, they don't have a date, because it was supposed to be originally, I think, 2020? Yes. Um, and now it's just off the slate completely. So, but what happens when you lose your director? Yeah, <laughs> but speaking of which, right, we have a rumored director. Yes, um, director of the uh, Kubo and the Two Strings, and then the current um, Bumblebee film, uh, Travis Knight. Uh, okay. That's that's the top billing rumor for the director. All right, and he's got lots of buzz right now because that Bumblebee like trailer was so mm. well received and everything. That movie didn't come out yet, right? That's not a, yet. It's very soon though. That's a December release. Yes. Also, okay, okay. It like I'm a fucking '80s nerd, you know. I love fucking you know G1 Transformers. So that fucking movie checked all the trailer <laughs> checked all the boxes. Like seeing them mm. so fucking like cartoon accurate. I was super excited, even though I, I should know better because I literally hate all of the Transformers. And I movies. guarantee you that's probably going to be a real short part. Uh-huh. Of that film. I feel like it's going to be like a flashback to Cybertron, and you know we're going to see a little sound wave, you know, and whoever else. I think I think maybe Shockley was in there. I'm not sure who else like they showed, but and then that's going to be it because Bumblebee himself, at least as a robot, does not look like mm. you know the cartoon version you know, the character that I fell in love with as a kid. So, 
Um, but that's all I've been wanting from the, like, it drove me nuts, like, right away from the get-go with all the Michael Bay movies. Like, how much they changed, like, the aesthetics of mm. those characters. And, like, well, we want them to have, like, real working parts and, like, what it would look like if an actual car became... It's like, fuck that. <laughs> Just give me my boxy fucking Transformers. Mm. You know, I don't need that. We don't need realism in this. They're fucking giant robots. <laughs> give me a break. You know, and they're supposed to be aliens anyway. Who cares? So, whatever. If Bumblebee Fuck does well, if Bumblebee <laughs> does well, do you would you want them to continue no. to make <laughs> No. I don't. I'm done with those movies. I, I hate yeah. those movies are horrible. Horrible. Yes. Are you a fan of those movies, Christian? Um, I was a fan of the first two when they came out. The first one wasn't bad. Like I didn't hate the first one. I hated the look of, you know, the Transformers. Mm. There was way too many humans, you know. Um, I mean, that was my, like, main toys that was like, getting when I was that age. Oh, really? So I was okay. like, oh, I oh, want yeah, all the You were Transformers. much younger, that's right. <laughs> that's your G1 Transformers right there. Yeah, so, like, yeah, for me, it was, I was, it was all nostalgia, and I was ready, and obviously, I'm a huge Transformer mm-hmm. fan. So, I went to the theater, you know, Excited, but I, you know, right away from the trailers, I could tell, like, this isn't the version of the Transformers that I fell in love with. The story was okay, though. I thought the story was all right. Um, but once again, like, we were following the humans too much mm-hmm. and we weren't getting enough, you know, Transformers actually, like, interacting. Um, but then the second one just it went to the shitter for me. I was, I was definitely done with the series after that. And I'm surprised they haven't, like, I haven't seen any type of slate for them to just do a Transformers-focused film rather than it being, you know, we're following some human character no. dealing with them. Because even, um... Yeah, yeah, and they don't need that. Mm-hmm. They don't. Like, the comics don't really have that. You know, I mean, the cartoon did to a certain extent, but they could exist without that. And, like, the comics nowadays, I mean, there are, like... Like, it's, like, based in Cybertron, like, and it's, like, they've got fucking politics going on, and, you know, it's a great story. So I... I don't know why they just don't feel confident enough to tell that story. Mm. Um, it's weird. So, but yeah, back to Travis Scott though. <laughs> Travis Knight. Uh, it's not Scott. Um, Travis Knight. I mean, this would be interesting to see. This is his first, you know, big um, live action film, and if this does well, maybe he could handle something like Guardians. Guardians, but I mean, that's that's a big mantle to take up. That's a big mantle. And right off the bat, I feel like he's behind the eight ball. So, mm-hmm. I mean, God bless him. Because <laughs> there's a lot of angry, like, Guardians fans out there right now, mm. you know, since they dismissed James Gunn. So, I, I mean, wonder, I, does Batista stick to his guns and he's completely just out? I don't know. And Do they I, write out actually, Well, he even came out in an interview and said, because, you know, James Gunn is writing the script for Suicide Squad. Mm-hmm. And he said, I would love to be a Suicide Squad movie. So he's even like teasing, like jumping shit to the other company at this point. Um, I'm wondering, it's probably, I'm guessing his contract mm. won't allow him to do that. I'm sure, like, they all sign like multiple like movie deals. So he might be in breach, you know, and I'm sure he likes money. So <laughs> <laughs> I don't imagine him really wanting to. And if they get the right vision, because I think he came out and he wasn't so much like, oh, I need James Gunn to be directing this movie. But he said, I want them to stick to James Gunn's mm. original uh, script for this film. So, which I get, you know, it's his vision. It's been his baby this entire time. So, 
But if they get someone that he trusts and they can sell him on it, I, I don't know. I don't see, you know, him going anywhere anytime soon, honestly. I hope he gets a saxophone in the next one. Oh, God, no. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it would make sense for those uh. movies, but God, no. Oh, <laughs> I still don't fully understand the saxophone. but that's It would fit so fucking well. <laughs> it would. It would. And he steals all those movies, so it would be a huge loss. You know, mm. if, they, if, if he's not in those films, my God. That would be horrible. So. That's crazy to think Dave Bautista is stealing seeds right? in a movie. <laughs> it's, it is, right? Because, I, I mean, I could barely handle his promo work in WWE. <laughs> but that character's perfect for him, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, James Gunn really wrote to his strengths and his, you know, delivery style. And it was just the perfect marriage, honestly. So, but he, yeah, he would, he stole both of those movies, honestly. <laughs> So, all right, what else do we got here, Christian? Um, big. The biggest news right now is Sony is dropping out of E3, which is kind of like Marvel not showing up at San Diego Comic-Con anymore, you know? Okay. Um, When's E3? E3 usually comes out um, around June, early June. June. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, you know, that's kind of when they put out their big news for all the new games and the new systems. And oh, that's right. You actually like, covered it yes. live, right? Mm-hmm. You were actually doing your uh, streaming at the time. Um. It's it's been E three has been slowing down year after year, like people's interest and stuff like that. And now most of these gaming um, gaming giants at this point have their own press conferences that they do outside of it. Why do this extra one? Mm-hmm. Simple, just like how uh, Marvel does a lot for D twenty. Is it D twenty three? I think is there a little expo where um, Disney's. Yeah, D23, that's right. So yeah, they have um they have the PlayStation Expo that pretty much happens every year now at this point and they're probably going to just focus on that. Um uh, PlayStation's last E3 conference was very very different compared to what they usually do where they have like a massive stage presence and everything. While they did still have a big stage, um it was kind of done in a like, hey, we're going to say a couple words and here's all the trailers for what's coming out. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they did, like, one musical number, and that was about it. <laughs> one. Yeah. Just one musical number. You know, not nothing elaborate. Because those <laughs> companies, they go fucking all out. I had yes. no clue, because I'm not a gamer, obviously. <laughs> but you were describing all this shit going down. I was like, holy fuck. It was some, like, like Super Bowl-like halftime shows uh-huh. happening for these video games. And then you'd be like, and the game's not going to be out for, like, three years. The yeah. Meanwhile, they got fucking cheerleaders dancing and fireworks. You know, um, the players are just as important as the stockholders. Yeah, at mm-hmm. this point, for especially for gaming, um, which is another. It's a point that I, I I haven't been talking about lately, but it was just um, Activision had this whole thing going on where their stock went down uh, before the holiday season, of course, uh, because games haven't been selling very well, and uh, we'll do it. <laughs> Um, their reaction to that was instead of working on working on making their games, um, you know, more to what the gamers would want to see, they were just like, well, you know, we still have a dedicated fan base. We're going to just add more microtransactions and uh, more ways for them to just spend money in the games. We're just gonna bleed them dry. Exactly. Oh, that's good. That's good business. Um, <laughs> Because uh, they're getting a lot of demands from their stockholders rather than listening to what the gamers want. Mm-hmm. And of course, you're going to make more money. You make you put more things into bigger releases. Um, Activision is a company that releases a game, releases multiple games every single year. And they have their Call of Duty. It's like one of the big titles. Yeah. 
every single year Call of Duty game must go. It just out. seems like a short term solution. Exactly. You know, it's going to hurt them in the long term. Whereas you see a company like um, Rockstar who will spend five to ten years on a game like Red Dead and now they are getting billions of dollars back in return. Yes. Because they put everything into it. Yeah. That's crazy, mm-hmm. too. Like, I heard those numbers, and I was like, holy shit, for a video game? <laughs> exactly. Um, and now that uh, Rockstar has figured out kind of how to integrate microtransactions into their online mode, it's just it's just been printing money for them, like, wow. left and right. Um, GTA Online has, I think, made GTA one of the most high-selling games of all time. Is there, like, it, do you know, like, the charts? Like, is there, like, a top charts, like, for that? Like, highest, um, like... There is. I don't, I don't know it off the no, top No, I, I don't but... expect it. <laughs> but, like, there, so there is a chart that, like, people... Yeah, it's the same as films, pretty okay. much. They, they view it almost the same like, way. Like, is there, like, a box office mojo kind for of. video games? Mm. There? Okay. I'd be curious to see that list, you know? Just, I mean, I'm, I'm obviously guessing that, you know, Grand Theft Auto is going to be, you know, up yeah, there. Yeah, it's, it's definitely up there. GTA Five did incredibly well. And it was an incredible game for the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, even though it was coming at the end of, you know, a console lifespan um, and still had, like, almost shaky graphics for that time, uh, it still outsold everyone's well, I remember you talking about it in... Maybe like that. Oh, that's still popular. I didn't even realize that game's still popular. <laughs> it has a five-year release schedule, so it's uh, just like exactly that's five crazy. plus year. Yeah, it's crazy to think about. You guys mm. are fucking patient. <laughs> <laughs> when you make a game that's worthwhile to play for that long, no, it makes sense. I just I I'm coming from a movie standpoint where like as a, <laughs> as a film buff, like mm. you know, if I have to wait longer than like two years for the next sequel, it's like one of my favorite franchises. I get annoyed, mm. you know, and I want like you know the upcoming trailer as soon as possible. You know, like right now, I'm like, come on, come on, Avengers, let's go. <laughs> Uh, and it's only been it was just last year yeah and we got I know. plenty of fucking movies <laughs> I mean they literally could not like they could go a couple more months still without releasing a trailer technically Who the, oh yeah they don't even have to release a trailer exactly. so still, everyone's gonna still show up mm. you know <laughs> you, that would be interesting no trailer just no, go in hey, the movie fuck you guys no trailer <laughs> <laughs> show up and, and they would and I bet you anything it might even more people might show up mm. just because of the novelty of no trailer, you know, because then people don't have anything to pick apart and be pissed off about. So I, I think you like one that. day we'll get there where uh-huh. like I could see Star Wars being like, you know what? Fuck you guys. No trailer. Just show up. Or if, if they do release anything, it's just cinematic. Like here's a, here's a, uh, a graphic. Yeah. The scroll. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be an interesting way to do it. Hey, here's the scroll for the movie. That's all you're going to see. Nothing else. People are still going to show up. It doesn't matter. You know, <laughs> don't show us anything. All the marketing, all the merchandise, just like the, the graphic exactly. of the title and that's it. I'll, I'd be decked out. In it. <laughs> <laughs> We'd still talk about the damn movie mm. every week. You know, what are they going to do? Because <laughs> that's a lot to pick apart. Like, oh, the, you know, Leia is in charge of this and this. And yeah. The, oh, absolutely. <laughs> See, we're about to go there. Again, right? <laughs> no trailer. But we're going there. So, yeah, they could, it would totally work. It'd be great marketing and, mm. you know, everyone would show up. So, uh, God, we're fucking nerds. Uh huh. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. We're not alone, though. We're not mm. alone. So, uh, but yeah, all right. So th- that's it. 
is it all quiet on the game front right now though besides that there's people bitching about fallout 76 but um the, the complaints are pretty much what happens with every major multiplayer game the game comes out the servers can't handle the amount of people that are coming on to play the game mm-hmm. uh it's a lot of stress for one you know game to have millions of people trying to play at once especially a game like fallout yeah and then it's also it's bethesda and they like to just kind of throw a game out there a little bit too early so it's super glitchy so there's a lot of there's some bugs um but as i tried to find out on monday uh there was a fucking 47 gigabyte um update for the game holy shit and i was like oh so nine hours of downloading huh <laughs> 47 gigabytes that's yes crazy. Of bug fixes probably wow Okay. It makes sense. It's oh, that's first... right. You were trying to stream, and then you are like, wait. <laughs> I can't do this. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so this weekend, I will yes. be playing Just turn on the console before you announce the stream in this time, Christian. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, literally. I was on the... Um, what I like to do is I'll be on the start menu, and mm-hmm. I'll fucking just... I won't touch anything. It'll be like pressing start from the first time. I hit start, and it immediately says, hey, uh, there's an update restart the game as soon as the update is ready. I was like, oh, that's fantastic. Uh, so, what, eight hours later? <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah, I just I played Spider-Man. So. I do not have the patience for that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, uh, you saw a movie this weekend. Yes, I did. I saw Fantastic Beats and the Crimes of Grindelwald. All right, this is the same blurb that I read two weeks ago, but it's fine. Whatever. No <laughs> one's going to notice. Uh, in an effort to thwart Grindelwald's plans of raising pure blood wizards to rule over all non-magical beings, Albus Dumbledore enlists his former student, Newt's commander, who agrees to help unaware of the dangers that lie ahead. Lines are drawn as love and loyalty are tested, even among the truest friends and family in an increasingly divided wizarding world. Um, I'm going to go back and forth on this, Damon. Okay. Because this is a very... For someone who's like in, into this world and into what they're doing with the universe, it's a must-see in that regards. Okay. As a film-goer, this is just like... I, I, I don't know what I just watched. Okay. Kind of because there's so many there's so many different elements of what's going on like, um, and I'll I won't I'll try to keep this spoilerish free because there are some big reveals towards the end. Okay. Um, but you got Newt. Uh, you know he's doing his thing. You know he's taking care of the beasts that he has in this briefcase of his um, and his home and stuff. He like he's pretty much a zookeeper for magical beasts almost. Okay. Um. This is all right before um, World War II. Um, you have the film starts off with Grindelwald escaping, um, pretty much the American uh, prison and everything. Um, is Grindelwald in the first movie? Yes. Um, spoilers. He he is the he is Colin Firth. <laughs> oh, okay. Yes, they have the exact same fucking haircut. It, you can it, like if you went to that film and you didn't know that he was Grindelwald. I, I apologize. Okay. He's Grindelwald. <laughs> So wait, okay, I'm confused. Colin Firth was Grindelwald in the first movie. Yes. But in the he, second he, movie... Um, Johnny Depp has disguised himself as a younger version of a different like person, but they have the exact same fucking look. Now, is that actually part of the story, or is that just like they needed to replace him for some reason? He was an interesting He's like hiding sequel. within the um, 
American uh, magical government. But that was something that was built in the first movie. I'm, yes. I'm saying it's not just a casting decision and they're trying to explain it away. It's more of, you know... I. Like, I think there's I think there's dual reasoning okay. behind that. I okay. think it's like um, they didn't want to use Johnny Depp completely throughout the film. Uh, plus, uh, I, they he wanted to be disguised the entire time, story okay. plot wise. So, so okay, I guess it worked. <laughs> Does it work? Yeah, that that works fine. I mean, anyone with common sense should be able to tell that he is actually the bad guy throughout the film. And he turns out to be the bad guy by the end of it. Uh-huh. It's pretty obvious. Okay. Like, even the, like, advertisements for that film, they showed Colin Firth and they showed Grillenwald from behind, and they looked the exact same. Yeah. So, so I was like, okay. get it. <laughs> I, yeah. I know what you're doing. Uh, but anyway, we're seeing him in full effect this time. Um, in this film, you're kind of seeing him and his, like, followers um, as they go into France, and they're starting to, like... Uh, group everyone together uh apparently he has a big you know he has some ideas of how magical the magical world should be and he believes that you know magicians should be uh above humanity rather than humanity being above um, the magical world okay because like pretty much the magical world hides themselves from humans are they like in fear of being hunted or like persecuted against it's kind of um, it's a little bit of both. It's uh, so it's the X Men. <laughs> <laughs> the X Men on a much grander scale. That's debatable. No, no. Okay, I'm not. Trust I'm me. not going to take a piss out of this. <laughs> go ahead. I'm sorry. I mean, the X Men. I'm about to go down a damn huge. <laughs> I apologize. Um, but yes, we're we're seeing this. You know, he he gets his followers in uh, fucking France all together and everything. And that's pretty much his storyline um one of the main things i want to point out is that at the beginning of the film they explain uh he is very good at manipulating people that's one like um the people that were holding him in his cell say yeah we had to replace like four or five guards because they kept coming in and unlocking it (laughs) and they had to like literally remove his tongue Uh, oh wow (laughs) okay um but on Newt's side, um, we get he, I guess he's been separated. So he has a love interest in the first film, and she lives in America. He lives in Britain. So they kind of have this whole separation thing. There was some news article about his brother getting married to um, his previous love interest in life. Like they, they talk about his um, life in high school, pretty okay. much in Hogwarts, and um, he. Uh, he was in love with um, this woman named Lestrange. And, uh, and his brother married her? And his brother's going to marry her. Uh, it's cold. But the news article accidentally writes that it's Newt getting married to her. So when the news article gets over to America, um, she sees this and it becomes this whole plot line of she doesn't want to ever deal anything with Newt anymore. And she's going to leave all romantic ties away from him. Mm-hmm. Um, but not really. No. Okay. <laughs> um, when Newt finds out, uh, Newt finds out by his um, two other companions from the first film showing up um, to greet him to explain that they're going to be getting married. Um, apparently, one has charmed, has actually like has been charming the non-magic friends because uh, technically they're not allowed to get married in America. 
America's rules are no um, non-magic people and magic people can be together. Uh, oh, it's okay. completely uh, segregated. And that's... They so play we... a lot of... Uh, in America, they play a lot of like the whole magical beings and humans are different. So there's some like serious like social satire going yes. on. Yes. Okay. Um, so that's the storyline going on. Um, Dumbledore also is like being asked if he can go fight Grindelwald because there are the two most powerful magicians in the world. Dumbledore is not explaining why, but he's saying, I can't go um, fight. So they, uh, the Ministry of Magic gets Newt, uh, tries to enlist Newt to hunt down Grindelwald because Grindelwald is also after going after the Obscurus from the first film. This is a whole lot of, like, this is, if you didn't see the first film, you're not going to want to see this one. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I can tell you that right now. Do you now. think a lot of people do like show up to the theater without like seeing like the first like you know with sequels? Like I can't imagine like showing up. I guess to not, but this is also not like numbered or anything. And I'm just imagining if someone was just like, "Hey, this is a cool magic story." I'm walking in. I would have absolutely no idea. Yeah, because it's not Fantastic Beasts too. No, you know, I, I figured that out the hard way doing our social media. Like, this, <laughs> <laughs> this isn't a hashtag. Mm. Yeah, no, okay. But as that, you can hear, confusing. as you can hear what I'm saying right now, I'm just getting element, 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 and it all ties into the first film. And so if this movie looks at all interesting to you, see the first one first. Yes. Um, Do yourself a favor. And in all realities, this is just a continuation of the first film. Okay. Because when I tried to think of it um, further than that, it just feels like, hey, this is what we're setting up. This is what the rest of the world is going to be. Um, like this is what the rest of the franchise is going to be. You know, they're kind of setting up the whole plot line of. And if if you don't know anything about this, I apologize, but they're setting up the whole Great Magic War, mm-hmm. which happens because of Grindelwald's um, plans to uh, you know try to make magic people above humans. Uh, and what's interesting is that they show him, and we have to keep I. I had to remind myself as well, Grindelwald is a liar. Uh, he is, you know, he's not, he has his own motives while he's also displaying things to the rest of the world. Um, and he shows, you know, he actually shows like visions of what is going to be happening in the future if humans are left unchecked. And of course he shows a nuke going off and, you know, the events of the world, of World War Two, And, you know, um, everyone's freaking out because there's like, oh, there's going to be another world war and, how mm-hmm. bad the first one was. Okay, imagine they have no idea the scale of the second one. Yeah. So especially with these weapons of mass exactly. destruction. Um, so the magic magic world is freaking out. Um, uh, there's a bunch of tension because um, the political side is trying to you know keep Grindelwald tight and hush, and so when they go to confront him, they accidentally kill one of his followers, and that starts a whole. You know, big deal, like, oh, look, they're causing violence while I'm just trying to give a speech of creating prosperity where we're all equals. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. So there's all this tension being built up. Um, they touch on Dumbledore's relationship with Grindelwald just a tad. Um, and they just set up the next movies. That's what this movie is. It's just a big setup piece. So it's like a bridge. It's a bridge. And I don't know. 
I still enjoyed the film, but I was just annoyed that I like I went to this movie and I'm just watching, you know, something that I could probably just have watched at home at some point. I don't feel like I needed to go to the theater to see this movie. Wow, so it didn't even feel like worthy of like that kind of mm. like did it feel like something that could have been just done in like 15 minutes like summed up in the next movie yes you know what um one of the ways i like to explain it was this felt like the moments going up to colson's death in avengers okay like this is what brings everyone together to fight the big band so it almost felt like a prologue to like exactly okay your next real sequel Oh, wow. Well, that's, that sounds a little disappointing to me, you know? It's a tad bit. But I guess if you're a big fan, mm-hmm. you, you probably eat it up no matter what. But. <laughs> I mean, you're 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 getting more lore and everything in this mm-hmm. universe. Um, another problem I had with the film was, you know, they expect you to care too much about characters that you're just being introduced to. Like, mm. there's events that happen, you know, there's big things that happen to these characters, and I'm just like, I don't know you i don't care about you i don't you know, you're not invested i'm not invested yet okay. and i feel like down the road when this is all finished when this whole story arc is done this will probably be a great film in my eyes it'll probably be you know it'll probably work out just the way you know the harry potter movies work like there's a couple in that franchise where it's not as much substance as the other films yeah there's not enough story mm-hmm. to justify and this is just going to be one of those like it's a like cog in this Oh, so you're saying in the grand scheme of things, though, eventually down the line, it'll be one of, it could end up being one of your favorite entries. Exactly. Okay. Well, that's interesting. Because, yeah, you never think about that with, like, franchises, you know. It's being done, like, films are being done differently now. Mm -hmm. It's like, you know, you get past the Warner Brothers logo, and now it says Wizarding World, you know, and rather than it just, you know, going into... Has that always been No, a this thing? is brand new for um, as soon as they started doing Fantastic Beasts. So now they're definitely thinking more on a Marvel MCU type scale for Harry but Potter. Why wouldn't they, though? Mm-hmm. I mean, those movies are so successful. And, I mean, how many Harry Potter films were there? There were eight. Wow. So, I mean, it only makes sense that, like, look what, you know, MCU's doing and Disney's doing with their movies. Why mm-hmm. wouldn't we try? I know... Uh, Universal, they were trying to do their whole like dark universe yes. thing with the uh, mummy. I think if flagsh- you just make some good movies, that could work well. They could. <laughs> I agree 100%. But unfortunately, that mm. Tom Cruise piece of shit was not a good movie. So, um, but yeah, you know, concentrate on the first one, make sure that's successful. Yes. And then maybe, you know, start talking about, but they did a whole full like photo shoot. With all the actors, like, those movies were in pre-production, mm-hmm. and, like, once that movie flopped, everything stopped. Like, they had their own little headquarters and everything. So, I mean, yeah, don't count your chickens before they mm-hmm. hatch. You know, that's the lesson that they need to learn at this point. It doesn't work that way. Kevin Foggy had to work exactly. you know, for that. So. And it started with a single good film, it's- rather than... Exactly. Expecting a whole universe to be attached or making too many connections. Yeah, and maybe he had the idea, obviously, at the end, you know, spoilers <laughs> if you haven't seen Iron Man, but Fury does, you know, throw out the seed of the Avengers. Mm. But that's it, you know. That could have just been tossed away as like, oh, that was a fun little Easter egg. Exactly. So Damn, I still gotta get you to watch that movie. The Mummy. Iron Man? No, the <laughs> Mummy. Oh but no. Rain- 
Absolutely. You not. you have to understand what how far they went to try to make this a universe. No. And like <laughs> totally derail their own storyline. I'm a huge explain. fan of like the Boris Karloff mummy. Mm. So like right away it just seems like blasphemy to me. <laughs> um I feel like and you know, I didn't hate like the um oh god, what's the actor's name who just disappeared from the, off the face of the earth? Um Brandon Fraser? There we go. There I almost said Brandon. Uh, Roth. Um, yeah, Brendan Fraser. Like, I didn't hate those movies. Hmm. You know, the first two were okay, but they were just a different movie. Um, you know, almost like Indiana Jones-like. Yeah. But just from the trailers alone with the Tom Cruise shit, I was like, okay, this just seems wrong altogether. <laughs> I don't understand what they're trying to do here. Um, yeah, so I wasn't surprised hmm. when it just completely flopped. And I'm not saying that Fantastic Beasts um, and Where to Find Them was, like, the strongest entry in a Harry Potter, like, franchise starter. Mm-hmm. But it still was a singular story, and you got a beginning, middle, and end. Whereas I feel like um, The Crimes of Grindelwald is just beginning. <laughs> yeah. You know, there's nothing really there to really... Get... I wasn't invested in the characters. Um, I'm... I wasn't as annoyed by Newt's, um, you know, character this time. The actor playing him and everything did a great job. I felt like the portrayal of him was very well done. Um, this time around, he wasn't as annoying. He wasn't as obnoxious as a character. Oh, really? So, so you weren't fond of him in the first movie? I I could live without, you know. But well, because <laughs> the movie though, because it is a kind of like his thing. Yeah, it focused. He is the main character. Is it? Do you think it is a performance? issue like choices he's making as an actor or do you think it's just the script i try to i feel like it's never really truly the actor's fault at this point because you know that's you're only giving (laughs) (laughs) there's so many people that have to say yes you know yeah that's true that's true this is good so i mean and he's a great actor so okay okay all right so if you were gonna rate this movie christian um, five stars as always. Mm-hmm. I'd definitely give it a three and a half. Three and a half. Okay. Well, that's pretty not, average. Yeah, that's not bad though. Mm. That's what is that? that There's still a lot of great elements. Plus. Like Grindelwald just comes in as soon as he gets to France. Um, they need a house to live. Kills two people. Uh, finds out that there's a baby in the house. Kills the baby. What, how was Johnny Depp's performance? Um, Johnny Depp is just very. He's, he's very creepy in this film. Uh, you don't know... I think he's very creepy. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's definitely bringing it in in this film. Okay. Um, and I love Johnny Depp as an actor, at least. But, mm. yeah. But at this point, like, to get... By the end of this film, I was like, you know, he's not wrong what he wants to do at the moment. Mm. But then I had to, you know... So is Magneto. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. I keep on trying it's, it's like... I want to say that he's kind of like Magneto, but at the same time, I, if I, I had to keep reeling myself back and remember, yeah, this is a bad guy, though. Uh-huh. I think he's being, I think he's lying about a lot of what he's talking about. And um, without, I'm not going to say any spoilers. Because you did say in the beginning that he manipulates people. Yes, exactly. So, okay. I feel like that's a point that they put in there on purpose, just so that you could, um, you know, it could slide out throughout the film. Because there's some, there's a lot of things going on towards the end. Um, I'm I'm keeping my mouth shut because I feel like if you are going to enjoy these films or enjoy this film at all, you do need those big moments at the end. Mm-hmm. So there's some parts where it's just like he's definitely manipulated someone here. 
remember this. He's a manipulative person. Yeah. And he could well, be manipulating the crowd. Exactly. Of it. Okay. So. All right. So three and a half. That's, I mean. Hmm. So you would recommend it to Harry Potter fans, but not so much your average. Yeah, your average audience. Yeah. Goer. Okay. All right. That makes sense. So I won't be seeing the movie then. (laughs) (laughs) Did it make you excited for the next entry? Um, I I mean, I just want to know what this is going to be like. Because, you know, what they've told us about this war is, you know, uh, Grindelwald's almost helping Hitler out. You know, it's kind of like. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. I want to see how they they work that together. (laughs) (laughs) Um. Is this been set up as like a trilogy, or they haven't said they're just leaving? it This open. could be four to five films. Okay, because it sounds like it's yeah. going to be you know a lengthy. I've heard know, people series. say that um, it, the, there's going to be three more, and I was under the assumption that it was only going to be four when they originally announced it. Okay, um, so but you know, money just changes yeah. all that. that <laughs> was the first one like pretty successful? Yes. Okay, in like Harry Potter terms, not mm-hmm. it was. It was definitely under a little bit for how Harry Potter had done in the past, but I mean, it had been... It doesn't have Harry Potter in it. Exactly. Or the books to back it, and so I guess that that's acceptable, mm-hmm. right? Um, ha- has there been any other, like, offshoots of, like, Harry Potter announced? Like, spinoffs? No, not yet. Okay. But I definitely think they're coming. coming. I'm still waiting for an American book to be written. Okay. I feel like that's the next thing for her to do. She wanted to continue... Making Harry Potter. Oh, like an American school. Like yes. The, okay. Because she already has the the basis for it. She already has been like created all these ideas of, you know, who runs the school and everything. Do you think she writes the book first and then they do the movie? I feel like money was. That's what I would do. Okay. You know, write the book, have that become a big licensing thing. Then, then you have the film come out. Yeah. You know, that's how you get the buzz. You know, that's how you properly do it. I feel like it makes it feel more, I don't know, authentic, if you will, just because then people are like, oh, well, it was a book, mm. you know, and that's what, like, I remember people just eating up those books, you know, in the early 2000s, and people, I had friends who would wait in line, and, you know, these were adult people, too, these weren't just kids, mm. you know, waiting in line to get their hands on the newest Harry Potter book, and then, like, reading them in, like, two days, so, I mean, that, that I mean, she's huge. got time, there's four years like it's two years per movie uh, so I mean yeah four years she to write another book but she hasn't hinted at it anyway. not really okay. but I, I I think it's gonna happen I hope so <laughs> I hope so my friend so alright so moving on we got some comic books to talk about yes hey guys it's Seamus from Chew Gum and Crime and Movies Podcast you're currently listening to Christian and Damon's Amazing Nerd Show find this show and a bunch of other incredible shows at dramacityproductions.com. Woohoo! Now accessing comics. So it has been a very, very busy week. So we did not get uh, basically to the comic book shop like we would like to. We only read a handful of books that were actually out. Because there's definitely a couple issues that I want to read that I just couldn't get mm. to at all. Um, I, know, I know you... You didn't really get to Vader, correct? I read Vader. I finished it, but, but I you think want to hold off. I'm going to hold off until we get to okay. an end to the storyline. These are very quick books, um, and there's not too much going on. But 
And this one was kind of interesting, but we'll get to it. Okay. We'll yeah. There was it. definitely a couple books for me where I was like, I'm just not going to be able to read this this <laughs> And, like, Uncanny X-Men was mm. huge. Fucking Avengers was huge, too. <laughs> so I was like, it's just not happening. Like, not I didn't before read the podcast. Domino. I didn't read... There's plenty of books. Yeah. So. Yeah. So it is what it is. But, yeah. These, these are the four that we've read this week. So... Uh, starting off, and we'll, I, I feel like was the biggest one, at least the most buzz around it, was Uncanny X-Men number one. Yes, the return. So and this was announced a while back, and, you know, uh, God, they've been dropping, like, I feel like solicitations and, you know, articles about this for the last, like, three or four months. The X-Men so, are back. The X-Men are back in a big way. Let's see if the book lived up to the hype. <laughs> uh... The Children of the Atom are back. New ongoing series kicking off with a 10-part weekly epic. The flagship X-Men series that started it all is back and better than ever. Starting with a mysterious and tragic disappearance, the X-Men are drawn into what might be their final adventure. All right, and this arc is called X-Men Dissembled. Um, And this is like 10 fucking issues weekly. Weekly, okay. So this is this is uh, yes, number two is out next week. So they're not going to leave you hanging for long. It seems to be like the new thing, mm-hmm. you know, in in the uh, two bigs worlds now. To like, you know, it makes sense, you know. I mean, we've got short tension spans now. Um, you know, even me who you know grew <laughs> up with monthly books. Mm-hmm. Now, if a book is monthly, I'm like, what the fuck is taking so long? I don't even remember what the hell happened, you know. So. Um, that seems to be the new format, you know, when you want to tell stories. So, and it, it, as long as there's no delays, it seems to work. It worked with, you know, Avengers No Surrender. Mm-hmm. Um, I really enjoyed that book. So hopefully they got enough story here, you know, to keep us, you know, uh, focused on it. But yeah, so what, what were your thoughts on this book, Christian? Um, you know, this was interesting. Uh, I liked, you know, the element of, you know, Kitty Pride just fucking disappearing. Mm-hmm. Um... I liked this. I liked how this feels compared to a lot of the X Men books that we've been reading. Okay. Um, so far, especially with Gene, uh, most of the things that with Yo, Gene X-Men, lately have just X-Men been read. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That <laughs> well, that been, and the story before with, with her resurrection, it was just it's just been that kind was of, disappointing. I did enjoy the start of X Men Red, and mm-hmm. felt like there was so much promise there. But really, I mean, I've dropped the book at this point. You know, I believe you read the last two issues. I read just it. to just to see where they were going because you know we had so much build up to this point, and it's still just very weak. <laughs> yeah, that's too bad. I mean, mm. really, um, yeah. So just a quick little like summary of basically what this story is. Um, you have Jean having visions of you know the multiple man, you know, running at her, you know, asking where's Kitty Pride, where's mm. Kitty Pride. Um, she wakes up, you know, she's in the mansion, you know, we get kind of a setup of like our cast right away. Um, you know, you've got Iceman, you've got X-23, um, you have, is Beast in the room? I think Beast is there, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Beast. Um, so I'm confused exactly who's on this team (laughs) right now. And it seems like they're Mm. leaving it open because you do have a cast of the younger, you know, X-Men also the new X-Men team. Uh, I'll call them just because that's, you know, the original line. A lot of them were like debut, they debuted in. So, um, which is like armor and, you Mm. know, so on. So, um, it, 
it then starts with, you know, the younger X-Men, you know, the X-Men in training on a training mission with Kitty Pride, and she all of a sudden disappears in the middle of the mission. And they crash land into the laboratory they're supposed to be going to protect. Um, and they run right into the Mutant Liberation Front, um, which is a corny 90s, you know, uh, terrorist group that used to run with strife. So they're, you know, fighting them, um, they're calling for help, you know, um, you know, they're making jokes left and right. It had a good, I, I felt like it had a good, like, sense of humor. Mm-hmm. Um, just all the jokes about forearm, you know, I felt like all really landed and <laughs> everything, it made sense, because it is a horrible power. He, he literally just has forearms. <laughs> so, and that's kind of the joke that's ongoing in the jet when they're, before Kate mm-hmm. disappears is... You know, you're taking us on a mission to stop a guy named Forearm. Like, you know, it, it, he's got four arms. Like, that's it. Um, but she makes a point of, like, hey, you know, just because you're not scared doesn't mean these, like, you know, civilians who don't have superpowers aren't. So, um, you know, which was a good message and everything. And then she disappears. And to the point where I was like, oh, is this part of the lesson? And the kids actually start mm. saying it, too. But... You know, they end up, you know, the Mutant Liberation Front is, like, bringing up that, no, listen, you're on the wrong side of history here. We're trying to stop something evil from happening. You know, they've got a serum that will cure mutants, you know, and they're trying to force this upon us. Um, It goes to all of a sudden cuts to, like, a political rally or something that's going on. It looks like a debate almost happening. um, Where there's a senator talking and he's kind of all for this, like, serum. Um, and then you got the, which is supposed to be Kitty, giving the rebuttal to it, but she's a no-show. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden the multiple man shows up, Jamie Maddox, and he is like frantic and seems to be out of sorts. You know, um, he shows up on stage and starts giving the speech for Kitty um, to Jean's horror, who's standing in the crowd. And she was nervous originally because she thought she was going to have to give the speech. Um, all the characters felt like the characters for me, except mm. for Jamie. Um, but Jamie's obviously in this like heightened state and you don't know exactly what's going on. All of a sudden you have an army of, you know, multiple men, you know, crashing, you know, this event. Uh, Archangel is all of a sudden flying in oh, the air yeah, and talking to no one we don't know what mm-hmm. exactly is going on but Psylocke um is down there trying to like she's being attacked basically and he's doing nothing um, it's still it's still weird to get used to the new Psylocke it is it oh, is it's Psylocke. off-putting oh, yes. yes right um it's off-putting but I mean the characters still felt mm. like Psylocke to me which was good um but yeah it you know, my problem is so it basically ends with Jamie coming out and you know um uh, not be able to save the senator from this event that he, I guess he has seen somehow in the future. So, you know, he keeps on talking kind of in riddles and everything. And, you know, no, listen, I'm trying to save you guys. You don't understand. You know, where's Kitty? Um, And, you know, all of a sudden the senator disappears. Um, And he ends up basically in a room with... Kitty Pride, mm. who's tied up, and he accuses her right away. And she's like, no, listen, asshole, I'm tied up in a chair with you. Does this make any <laughs> sense? And then lo and behold, you know, the big, you know, reveal is that Apocalypse is actually in the room with them. But he's also tied up to this giant axe. 
So we have no idea where our captors are and what the hell is going on at this point. It seems to be setting up a mystery. Yes. So it looks like there's going to be more time travel involved. Uh, <laughs> to everyone's dismay. We'll see how that handles. Um, overall, I thought the story was well done. I just felt like it was underwhelming, though, for like a kickoff to this book. And there's so much hype going into this book. Mm-hmm. Um, I, it, I, I felt a little disappointed and like, I don't know. But like when I think about no, I think no surrender, I had that feeling where I was just like, this was, you know, just, okay, it's, it's one issue. You know, I don't know if it, maybe while. I felt like there's more hype behind this just because of where the X-Men mm-hmm. were at and like, you know, they tried hard with gold and blue, but then, you know, it seemed like, okay, we're going to start over, we're going to reshuffle the deck again. It just, I don't know. I feel like they're going to, and not even to make it a streaming terms, they're going to like Netflix it where it's just like, you know, you're going to be getting something each week. So yeah. So we're going to release it like this. I just guess it didn't grab me enough. Mm. Now, after this story, there's another story that happens. This is a lengthy book. Um, there's lots of extras and everything. Um, well, it was because it was the 700th issue, correct? Or No, that's the Avengers. Right? That's the Avengers. <laughs> yeah, that's the Avengers. That's what I was saying. Like, we read two big books yes. this uh, week. But, um, yeah, this was a lengthy book. I, it's just because it's the number one mm. and everything. It's, the you know, them bringing back the Uncanny X-Men, you know, that, that moniker. Um, which is a big deal, and it should be. But there is a whole other story, and I can't remember the actual name of the story. Do you remember off the, off the top of your head? No, it was like the it was like the tales of something. Yeah, but so you basically have Bishop, and mm. he's like on a stakeout, and you he's following some you know I don't know some guy, and he ends up being a killer robot, and it leads him to cool shades. Sh- yeah, <laughs> it it ends up leading him to Sugarman, who's terrified to see Bishop, and he's like, "Oh, you're here to take me out," you know. And it's like he's pleading to Bishop, and Bishop has no idea what the fuck he's talking about, and he's like going to convince this guy that, "Hey, no, no, that's no, not me," to Sugarman, and then all of a sudden Bishop gets zapped from behind, um, and then he wakes up, and he's like, he's standing next to a, you know, dead Sugarman. Um, who's like like disemboweled? Like it's pretty fucking like gnarly. So um, that was cool. Um, and then the next, because <laughs> fuck Sugar Man, <laughs> it's an awful character. But you know that was interesting. It's mm. like okay, this book's all about mystery right now. It seems like. Then we go to Gene, um, um, who's in a coffee uh, house. Yes, and it feels like a separate story, but it ends up like in the. I think there's like three or four mm-hmm. different little separate stories, even though they don't really like. They give them different titles, but it doesn't feel like you know a, a smaller story. Kind of, they all run together, if you will. Um, she's in a coffee shop. She's talking to this weird old lady who's really depressing, and like they're you know she's basically talking about like you know the state of the world and everything, and then all of a sudden she disappears on her. Storm shows up. All of a sudden, like, this guy shows up who's, like, being controlled by something and attacking people. And then other patrons are, like, getting, like, you know, Mm. taken over by this entity. um, Unseen entity. um, And they're attacking. So um, you're confused on what's going on. You don't know what the hell's happening. And then you kind of go to the younger X-Men. It's Armor. And I can't remember the green boy's name. But um, he was just aged up a little, so he's not just, like, mm-hmm. some preteen anymore. But 
they're in the sewer and they're both bitching and super angsty about the fact that the X-Men don't see them as peers and what are we, you know, when are they going to eventually, you know, you know, basically it sounds like when are we going to eventually be actual X-Men, you know, instead of like, you know, junior X-Men. Mm-hmm. Um, Armor's one of my like favorite, you know, newer X-Men characters. Uh, Joss Whedon like debuted her, you know, in his Astonishing X-Men line. You know, I thought, you know, she was fantastic. I thought she had a bright future. Obviously, I was wrong because she kind of just disappeared. <laughs> mm. Some, you know, creators like bring her back and forth, you know, bring her back like once in a while, but then they tend not to do anything with her. Um, this book, she was a big part. Like, she was actually a big part of like uh, Kitty's team and, you know, the first story uh, that they told. Mm. Um, and she's actually one of the voices that was like when the mutant liberation front was talking, she was like, no, well, that does make sense. You know, what you're saying makes sense. Um, here she's, you know, super angsty, you know, she's kind of egging on the other character, um, you know, saying, yeah, no, I feel like they just call us, you know, when they need us. And then otherwise we're just doing their dirty work and they're literally walking in a sewer. Mm. So, um, they get the call and they go, you know, help out Storm and Jean. So while in the sewer, they run into the Dark Beast, um, who's another Age of Apocalypse character, um, who's like scared for his life and everything. Um, they don't know what the hell's going on, but then they get the call to go help Storm and Jean. So it seems like something's hunting these like Age of Apocalypse characters. We don't know what the hell's going on at this point. Um, but like it's set up for another mystery. Uh, Bishop also shows up to that battle that's happening. Mm. So I don't know how these two separate kind of stories are going to, you know, intertwine. Um, I feel like eventually they will somehow, but I'm not sure where they're leading. Um, you know, so, and I don't know if they're like, is this part of the 10 issue event? Is this going to be a separate story that's running at the same time? I'm kind of clueless on that right now. <laughs> Would you want that? Would you want two stories going on at the same time? And it's like every week for 10 weeks? I don't know. That's a lot. Mm. So, and that makes me feel like you just not have enough story, <laughs> you know, to mm. tell. Um, you know, they're both intriguing, but once again, I just, it, it wasn't enough of a hook for me. So I don't know what my expectations were, but I don't know. I don't know. I saw Apocalypse and I was immediately just like, okay, what are we going to see next? We just, I feel like the last couple of years we've gotten so much Apocalypse that I'm just kind of done with Apocalypse right now. But, you know, I get it. I just, he's not one of my favorite ex-villains. Mm. So, um, I don't know. I don't know. I, I just, I don't know. I, we'll see. I mean, like, it, we got a, another book next week. No. So I might <laughs> totally do a 180 and just be like, oh, this is fucking great. So... <laughs> Just didn't do it for me right off the bat. It just felt like this could be another issue of gold. You know? Gotcha. So, I don't know. And I know we've been teased already with the return of Cyclops after this disassembled yes. event. You did show uh, show me that. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I, that does nothing for you. Doesn't do much for me. Um, but at the same time, did they did they make a big deal around it? Because the way that they handled you know the return of Wolverine was like... They really were like, oh, it's the return of Wolverine's coming back. But that's Wolverine. <laughs> Cyclops is not Wolverine. So they he's did done make so a much. Big, I mean, it's been, <laughs> I mean, he's only been dead for a short while. 
honestly. And, I mean, they did at least give you that solicitation how many months out. So, um, you know, and it looks like it, the next issue, there's a solicitation where it's just like Wolverine. So Wolverine will be back with the team mm. eventually. And we'll be talking more about Wolverine in a little bit. <laughs> but uh, it's just him and Wolverine, like, on a mission or something. Mm. And it kind of looks like they're all disheveled and, you know they're the last men standing at this point. So I don't know what the fuck happens here. We still haven't finished um, Extermination. Exactly. Yeah. You know, and I think maybe that might be kind of part of my, I don't know, disappointment because I really thought Extermination would be more of a prelude. Way more linked, yeah. Yes, to this. So I don't know where that's ending because there's only one issue left of mm-hmm. that. So, I don't know. Maybe I just kind of mapped this out differently in my head, and that's why I'm disappointed. But I, it just didn't do it for me. It really didn't, you know. And I was I was stoked for this book. <laughs> I really was. So, um, but you you said you enjoyed it, though. I enjoyed it. I mean, the termination's been fun. So, I, I'm, I'm enjoying this book so far. Mm. And I'll just have to see where it goes. I mean, it could quickly turn down for me as well just as well as it could yeah. become better for you so exactly it's te- we, we have exactly. nine more issues <laughs> left of the story arc so alright so next up what do we got Christian Captain America number five winter in America continues as the noose of betrayal uh, tightens around the neck of Captain America and his closest allies the power elite makes its move in the person of immortal Celine. Celine feels very much like kind of like just a side character though in the grand scheme of things like mm. with what we see in this book. Like she feels like she's more of a I don't know just like a I hear what you're saying but to... you know they can't give that away. No. I, <laughs> right? But I was well because she's She's was a, she's a pretty major like X Men villain, and she like takes on the whole team. So it's interesting to see her in this light, where she seems like I mean she's working, you know, I guess with um, I can't remember the character's name, Alexander's daughter. We're confused about this <laughs> because I felt like it was his daughter, but now we're like, well, is it his daughter? But we'll get there. Um, you know, but now it seems like it feels like she is actually the daughter's more powerful than Celine, or she's more in charge of things mm. that are going on. So I don't know. Maybe it's just this issue that it felt that way. Um, well, maybe it's just the reveal that happens. At yeah, the I mean, end. Captain America throughout this book is you know alluding to someone else being in charge. Yeah, you know, the, this being bigger than what and he, he definitely so. treats Celine as a major threat. Mm-hmm. Where he's like, I can't believe I'm going up against you know. <laughs> this character who's taken on you know the x-men before so um, well, that's that's another thing that, that makes this book enjoyable is that not only does he do that for that character but he does it for the smaller characters like taskmaster yes so that running narrative when he's battling taskmaster and what's great too is i love that and basically last issue it was just like it was a big battle between mm. him and taskmaster the entire time and it was a good build-up and it was a great fight and I loved how they wrote Taskmaster. And, you know, Cap is giving him props. And he's almost beating at the end of um, last episode, or last episode, last issue. But then with this issue, it just continues. Like, it, they get, you know, it's not just, you know, a couple panels and they're done, mm. you know, which I was kind of expecting. It went on for quite a few pages here. Um, you know, he eventually does choke out Taskmaster. And it really was kind of a testament to, like, 
Cap's will and what makes Cap like a superior fighter over these guys, you know? Because, I mean, there's, on paper, Taskmaster should probably be able to take out Captain America because he has this photogenic, like, you know, you know I forget the actual term that they use where he can really just, you know, emulate, like, all these different mm-hmm. fighting styles and everything. Um, it, like Within, like, a second, he can, like, completely, like, you know, analyze your fighting style and take you apart. But, and he's doing that that last issue, but then this issue, it gives you that kind of, like, arc of, like, what makes Captain America Captain America, which I thought was really cool. Um, but, so we, you know, that that's most of the issue. You get, you get to, you know, Cap hearing Sharon scream. He runs into the room. Both, both villains basically kind of bail. You know, right off the bat, you know, he saves Sharon, um, but then you kind of get them, you know, she teleports them somewhere to, like, it seems like this lab, and then you get her father rising out of this, like, tub. It felt very, like, Rasha Ghoul to me. Right, (laughs) I can see that. Right? Um, You know, um, and it is Alexander, who was a big part of um, Brewbreaker's, like, um, initial epic Captain America run. Um, you know, he, who was possessed by the Red Skull. He was actually the one, he killed the Red Skull, and the Red Skull, I think, was grasping the Cosmic Cube at the time. So he somehow, like, mind-melded with Alexander, and, you know, they became one entity. But then they're actually directly, you know, responsible for Captain America's death, you know, right after, directly after Civil War. So it was a huge arc. Mm-hmm. So it feels like they're trying to kind of almost do maybe a sequel to that, um, which is kind of cool because you get him looking in the mirror and he sees the reflection of yes. the Red Skull. I don't know how he's been resurrected. I don't know <laughs> what the hell is going on, but I'm digging it. It's pretty cool, you know. Um, you know, it, it was it. It's what it, that story is what got me into Captain America. Um, before that, you know, he felt like Marvel's version of Superman. Not power set-wise, but just, you know, their Boy Scouts. Exactly. So, um, I don't know. What did you think of the book? Especially as someone who's not a big, you know, Captain America fan, this is still keeping my interest. It's still keeping me wanting to find out what's next and what's going on. It still feels like a pretty big mystery as to what's going on. So Yeah, absolutely. We'll figure it out. I think um, uh, they were also explaining that Sharon doesn't really remember most of what happened yeah at the end of this I don't that's know right she some type of she's or... basically set up um by not ross i always get them mixed up there's the two different generals that i always like they feel so interchangeable to me mm. um but yeah she's set up you know by her direct commander um and yeah but she doesn't exactly remember exactly what happens so I don't know. I don't know. I, there's definitely a, a, another, like, you know, mystery happening here, mm. and we'll see where it leads us, you know. But, I mean, the Red Skull, if it is the actual Red Skull, I mean, that's huge. You know, I mean, last time we saw Red Skull, he was in the cube, right? Yes. That was Secret Empire. So, and, yeah, he doesn't stay down for long. <laughs> and if there's the Cosmic Cube's at play, anything's possible, so... I hope it's not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you that right now. Uh, well, speaking of Captain America, his famous team, the Avengers, had a book come out this week. All right. That is correct. And it was a big one. It is issue number 10, 
Mm. But it's actually issue number 700. So Legacy wise. Yes. It's a, <laughs> I don't think they're renumbering the book or anything. No. Thank God. But yes, this is it, the, the 700th issue of the Avengers. And that's amazing to think about. So let's read the blurb. Uh, the Earth's most hated heroes? After 700 issues of saving the world, you'd think the Avengers would be due some celebration, but instead the whole world seems to be gunning for them, especially Namor's fearsome new defenders of the deep, uh, and the reimagined Russian super soldier team, the Winter Guard. And that's not to mention the shocking surprise the U.S. government has in store for our heroes. Plus, the all-new Agents of Wakanda, the mystery of the Avengers uh, one, uh, 1 million uh, BC d- deepens, and a key revelation concerning the resurrection of Wolverine. There was a lot in this fucking book. They just threw that at the end. Though, <laughs> and so. the next startling new Avenger is revealed. But yeah, that all fucking happened in this book. Holy shit. It's a long <laughs> fucking book. Um, man, this thing was epic. Um Christian, your thoughts. That blurb sounded like us trying to explain what's in our episodes. Yes, right? (laughs) (laughs) That seems like the title of the show. Um, I enjoyed this more than the last few issues. I'll tell you, I'll say it that way. Um, Mm -hmm. Last few issues felt more of a, like, you know, they were reshuffling the deck. Yeah. You know, there are definitely tweener issues after Um, the whole celestial. I don't. I still don't like the fish team. <laughs> okay. Namor's like uh, villain squad that he's got going on. Um, I, th- I thought it was interesting the Russian team that shows up. Uh, I like the you know the Winter Guard. Yeah, the Winter Guard. Um, with some mystery behind who's running that. Uh, pretty much. Yes, there's the Red Widow. Yes, who is like. <laughs> I have a feeling that's really the Black Widow. We could be wrong, but mm. I was like, I don't know. So you think that'd be too on the nose? Like, I'm just another iteration of myself. Yeah, probably, but maybe like just on the nose enough where people would be like, no, there's no way. <laughs> <laughs> that'd be the lamest disguise. That can't be the Black Widow. <laughs> Um, but yeah, they introduce her as kind of like this next level, the next, you know, super agent to come out of the red mm. room. So, um, uh, I think one of the, the parts that I was most curious about was, um, Captain America dealing with, uh, Ross, you know, have, um, pretty much telling him, you know, we're cutting ties with you guys cause you guys are working with Wakanda. There's a lot of political, um, elements in this uh, book. Yes, and I enjoyed that. I really did. And actually, and we didn't talk about it, but then the Captain America book, it also had that element in it where mm-hmm. um, they're talking about how uh, how the world is viewing Captain America. I think they call him Captain Wakanda because he's also, mm-hmm. in that book, there's like a scene where he's working with the Black Panther. Um, so people are kind of questioning his loyalty. And, I mean, Secret Empire just happened, so I don't blame anyone for questioning his loyalty. But yeah, this is definitely setting up like the world stage for the Marvel Universe, which is interesting. Um, you know, having, you know, this Russian super team, you know, on the battlefronts. And I mean, rightfully so, Namor did attack, you know, their people. But then also having Namor basically, you know, raining terror down on, you know, uh, the, I forget what he turned. The, it the was lands, a... The, or not the Earthwalkers. He calls them something. You know. Does he call them Landwalkers? Something, something ridiculous. Like but, um, 
so he the surface it. dwellers, yes. if you will. That feels like that feels like a he attacks thing. an underwater lab pretty much and brings it up to the surface. Yes, because he does not want anyone trespassing on he water. He can't <laughs> have the entire ocean. <laughs> well, the- we know that, but he doesn't. So, and this is this is like Namor, like as a full villain. It was funny. Know? I was wondering, like. Where does he consider his borders and stuff? But no, he really wants to consider no. the entire ocean. No, don't eat. He doesn't even want to see a fucking rowboat. Like he doesn't <laughs> want you near his water. So um, he will fuck your shit up. Um, but then, like the piranha creatures go. So they kind of show that he still ha- is noble. Yes, like he's got these piranha creatures that are like part of his team. And they go at, like, this um, father and his kid. Mm-hmm. So, like, Namor fucking takes them out, like, pretty hardcore. So, um, and, but then, like, at the same time, we, I thought was a little off. Like, I think one of the characters on the Avengers was like, he's killing his own people. <laughs> it's like, well, he was just about to eat that kid. So, I thought it was a little weird that, um, I know the piranhas were about to attack. Mm. But Captain America still did, you know, swing first. He threw a shield, like, immediately at them. Well, they're about to attack. They, they were gonna, still like, I don't know. He's Captain America. He doesn't trust these fucking. And <laughs> Namor says that they're mindless too. Oh, okay. So I mean, I yeah, he's Captain America. Fuck the piranhas. <laughs> <laughs> they're fish. Uh, um, but yeah. So I I don't know. I enjoyed this though. I I I thought this was fun. Mm. Um, and then you so you basically have them setting up the world stage. Um, the. Winter's Guard and, you know, the Avengers are definitely going to be at odds against each other. And the whole Maymore story doesn't seem close to be, you know, done at this point. You brought a good point that it's kind of like a mirror image of what's going on with the Justice yeah, League. Like drowned. But it's like the evil Aquaman. Like, mm. what if Aquaman was a villain? So, and that's kind of been Namor, you know, along. He's more like Magneto in a way than he is really, you know, like Aquaman. Mm. So, um, he's an asshole. So, <laughs> he is. He's a fucking asshole. But this is him, you know, at his full, like, assholedom, you know. So he's just, like, at his, like, I don't know, his his peak, you know, jerkness. So um, it's it's weird because you're reading X-Men Red, too, and he doesn't he's feel like He's a total this. good guy. He's, you know, he's doing whatever Gene needs to be done. So I don't know, continuity-wise, yeah, once weird. again, it's we're kind of lost, but that's okay. That's all right. Um. So, the aftermath, or actually, there's a bunch of, like, smaller stories that happens after this. Uh, we get Loki uh, talking with the Celestials, and um, Wolverine shows up. <laughs> yes. Loki's mocking the Celestials. Um, they're like, oh, you're just going to torture me? And then all of a sudden, Wolverine shows up. He seems to somehow... First of all, Loki's surprised to see Wolverine in this setting. Because, you know, Wolverine, yes, he's everywhere, but he's not a cosmic entity. So, um, and then, you know, right away you notice that he's, like, chewing on, like, a piece of hay or something like that. And it's on fire. Which I was like, are they just, you know, they really wanted him to have a cigar. But since now Marvel doesn't <laughs> allow their characters to smoke, they have a piece of, you know, hay mm. on fire. But then, like, slowly but surely, it's revealed that, you know, oh, Wolverine is actually part of the Phoenix Force now, which was kind of out of fucking nowhere. Um, You know, and he's talking to Loki um, about, you know, like, I need to get you out of here. You know, there's a bigger game afoot. And, 
you know, he takes off and it's hinted that he might have something to do with the Infinity Stones, which I, you know, we're still in the midst of that story right mm-hmm. now with Infinity Wars. So I don't know where that, this whole yeah. arc is happening story-wise. It feels like this is almost like a direct continuation of what we saw in the Marvel Legacy book, um, you know, in a way. So I don't know. And we saw, I guess, I guess we did see Wolverine, you know, or like that Emma Frost Wolverine hybrid, you know, in the whole Warped world get the Phoenix Force. Or at least they say that they had it. No, he shows up. You remember? They show up. He presents them with the stone, with the power stone. That's originally how Loki gets the power stone. Mm. And then he's able to separate all those Warped characters. To, you know, build his Cosmic Avenger team. So we do see that happen, but I don't know. I didn't know that was going to be foreshadowing to this story. Um, it just, I don't know. I, I, I'm i intrigued by everything. I'm like, where the fuck are they going? <laughs> and we did get the solicitations this past week of, you know, Wolverine yes, Infinity, Infinity Watch. Watch. Yeah. Literally the, you know, Infinity Gauntlet. With Wolverine's claws popping on. It was pretty badass. You know, I, I won't lie. I popped for it. So I don't know if Wolverine has all of the gems. I don't know why he has the Phoenix Force on top of it. Um, but I don't know if it's going to tie into our next story, which was uh, Odin um, attacking Ghost Rider. Yes. For Ghost Rider. Drunkenly attacking yes. Ghost Rider. For, um, Killing Starbrand. Yes, he killed Starbrand, who was his buddy, at least the entity of Star, the essence of the Starbrand. Yes. Um, so he's taking vengeance on Ghost Rider, who's also like you know someone he considers his friend, strangely, um, because of their time with you know the BC Avengers. Um, I enjoyed this. Um, I like. I don't know. It felt like you know they're becoming friends in a weird way. <laughs> You know, they go for a ride at the end, you know, after Ghost Rider convinces Odin that, you know, listen, it wasn't my fault. I didn't mean to kill him. He was mad. You know, he was insane at this point. You know, I tried to give him the pen of stare and like it, it it killed him. He just, you know, blew up. I had no, and he even says, I didn't even know I could do that. I didn't know I had that power, Mm. um, which convinces, you know, Odin and Odin then turns it around and says, no, it's actually my fault. You know, the, the, these are the reasons why this all happened. Um, so it's still showing that they're going to be telling that cosmic or not cosmic that um, Avengers BC story. Yes. So, um, um, are you interested in the story at all? Yeah. You know, um, what I took away from that was mostly uh, you know, Robbie talks about the car being silent, which means, uh, and he also believes that something about the Ghost Rider is afraid, and then we also get the elements of Odin saying, um, you know. Every single Ghost Rider has made a deal with the devil, whether it's, you know, something's going to be coming for you at some point. Mm-hmm. So I feel like there's going to be elements of that coming throughout. I don't know if it's going to be in Avengers or if they're going to do it in a solo book at some point, but uh, something big is definitely going to be happening with Robbie. And especially with, uh, you know, them talking about, you know, the power is only limited to, you know, your mind, your where you see it, you know. Yes, when they're actually speeding, mm. you know, they kind of talk about that. When he's like, this is as fast as you can go, you know, which I thought was a cool scene. You know, you don't expect to see Odin sitting shotgun yes. <laughs> <laughs> in a charger, mm. you know. Um, I thought that was pretty badass. But 
I don't know. I enjoyed that. And I, you know, I wasn't a big fan of the like one shot tie in that they did where it was kind of explaining the origin yeah, of the, Ghost Rider. Um, the Willy Mammoth one I could live without. Yeah, yeah. But I have a feeling you're probably going to get more of like, you know, the BC Avengers mm-hmm. like backstory and everything. I just don't want it in that like one shot format. But I, I fear that's what we're going to be getting. I definitely think we're getting a Star Brand one, especially with all the talk. Yes. And well, he in Odin drops that on us where he says, you know, oh, someone will be taking up the Star Brand again. There's always one, especially with things, you know. You know, as like chaotic as they have been the past, you know, mm. uh, you know, month or so, you know, there should be another star brand coming soon. Um, so, and I think you speculated, I don't know if it was on mic or off mic, that it might end up being She Hulk, which I feel like makes sense because in all of, you know, the character mm. looks like a Hulk in the BC Avengers. So I feel like they're totally setting us up for that i know her powers are in flux right now yes um and she had some weird kind of like bond or like she could set like those giant insects creatures or something you remember she was having some mm-hmm. like where she could She's also set. lying about how it's affecting her as well like mm-hmm. um, there's the moment where um she's with uh, black panther and she has to go to the press conference and um oh, black he's... panther tells her to look inside and she says, yeah, I just see my normal, calm self. But and she's of course, seen the rage. Yeah. yeah, she's seen the rage inside. I thought that was kind of cool, though. Like, he's working with her. And, mm. and that was like a test for her to be in that press conference. So, um, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. I, I, but, I, you know, back to the Odin and, you know, the cosmic, you know, or the Avengers BC. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm intrigued by that story. I like to see where it like really leads the team. It feels like it's probably going to be the next big story arc after the you know Defenders of the Deep, mm-hmm. you know storyline you know runs its course. So or at least there'll be something alluding to the BC Avengers. Yeah, yeah. Well, and that's actually another. I think we actually told the stories out of order because I think the Wolverine story comes after this one because he has the vision then mm-hmm. of everything that's basically going to happen. Um, you know, in Aaron's run, it seems like, you know, at least in the next year. And you get, like, you know, all these hands, you know, raising with the star brands, you know, um, you know, uh, symbol on them. So, and then you've got, like, there's other weird shit happening there where you got, like, Moonlight, Moon Knight, like, leading a group of mummies. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's just a lot to, like, really unpack there. <laughs> so, um, but you've got the... Uh, man thing like holding like Thor's hammer and yeah I don't know what the fuck's going on so who knows yeah um what else we got um book wise no not in the story oh there was um we were also introduced to a new Avenger through um was it Wasp right? yes uh, Wasp is on a mission for Wakanda. She's a, an agent of Wakanda. Yeah, which I did not know. I don't know if that's happening in another book I don't or know. something new. <laughs> I've been focusing on too many Wakanda books other yeah. than Shuri. So, uh-huh. um, yeah, she uh, goes out, finds Blade of all people, uh, and offers him a <laughs> job with the Avengers. Yes, <laughs> which I didn't know Wasp was technically Avenger at this point, but whatever. I mean, um, she is a founding member, mm-hmm. so I guess she can offer it to whoever she wants. So, and if she's an agent of Wakanda, she is technically working for Black Panther. So, 
Um, do you do you think that alludes to any type of storytelling that there will be? Will they be going in a more dark vampiric way soon? Or I think we'll definitely be dealing with like you know dark magic and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. even have Ghost Rider on the team. Sure. So um, I I like the idea of Blade being an adventure. He was part of like Luke Cage's like Mighty Avengers team for mm-hmm. a little bit um, as Ronan. He was disguised. It was a weird story arc, but. Um, I kind of dig that idea, and it makes sense. Like he could be your like supernatural character, so you know. I mean, not that you don't have Ghost Rider on the team, mm. but you know he's kind of like that vet in that world. So I mean, I could definitely see them like running into like you know some kind of supernatural you know villain or something like that where they need you know Blade, but. I, I would almost be curious to see him, like, take on other, you know, characters, like, how he would deal with, like, you know, the Defenders of the Deep and, you know, see him kind of, like, you know, not, yeah, this is a bad pun, like a fish out of water, you know, dealing <laughs> with, <laughs> you know, just, you know, different characters you don't see him usually interact with, yeah. is what I'm trying to say. So, um, I thought, I think that's cool. I like it. You know, it's kind of out of nowhere, too. So, and they, they mentioned that they might have, you know, kind of like a revolving door, you know, for like membership. With yeah, I was, gonna, I was wondering, do you think this is just, you know, Avenger of the Week? You know, they just bring it in. I hope not. It, well, it doesn't feel that way just because it doesn't seem like his power set really matches up with, you know, the, the ongoing story mm-hmm. right now. Um, I could see if he was, if they were like taking on Dracula or something like that, then yes, I would say that. But. I don't know. And the fact that, you know, it's Black Panther who's, like, really, like, seeking him out. I don't know. It, it It's curious. Mm-hmm. It's definitely curious. I don't, was there anything else, though, in this book? Oh, oh, that's right. So, you had uh, Ross talking to a mystery oh, character yes. sitting there. And, you know, he's basically talking about how he feels like the Avengers have now betrayed the country. And that they can no longer be trusted. And then it's revealed that this character that he's talking to is Agent Coulson, which is a huge reveal because Agent Coulson is supposed to be dead. Deadpool mm-hmm. killed him. And then Agent Coulson shows him the, their new team, which is which happens to be Squadron of Supreme. No, I'm still saying of Supreme. <laughs> Mark it. Which happens to be Squadron Supreme. Um which is out of fucking nowhere. <laughs> so I have no idea where that's going. Oh, they call him Squadron Supreme of America. Yeah. So, um, and this, if you don't, if you don't know these characters, this is basically Marvel's version of the Justice League. They're from like an alternate reality um, that they were brought here. There's been a couple different vi- versions of this team, you know, from different timelines. Hyperion was actually part of the Avengers during Hickman's run. I don't think this is that version of Hyperion. Um, and he's front and center. Mm. Um, but yeah, so it, I don't know, you've got Power Woman, you've got Night Owl that's standing there, and there's a few other characters. Um, but yeah, it is, it, I don't know. So it seems like the Avengers have a lot on their plate yes. right now. Because you've got the, you know, Defenders of the Deep, You've got, you know, the the Red Guardians. Um, this, what the hell are they called? The Soviet Guardians. It's the Winter. Winter Guardians. Yes. There we go. There we go. They're Russian. Um, <laughs> and then, yeah, now you've got, you know, Squadron Supreme. So, I don't know. I'm excited, though. I, I've been really enjoying the Avengers mm. book. So. 
it'll be interesting seeing all these different elements collide. And I think there's stuff going to stick with a political um, conflict with all these uh, issues going forward. That's what so. it seems like. It's definitely very, like, I don't know. Hmm. It's on the world stage, you know, which is different, you know. But right away when they introduced, you know, Black Panther as the leader, we, you know, speculated yeah. what that would mean for the team. And we're already seeing the effects of that, so... All right, we'll move it on. What do we got? Uh, next, we have Mr. Miracle number 12. The final issue. Yes, the final issue. Um, it'll be a miracle if you can get through this mind-bending conclusion with your sanity intact. After his epic battle with Darkseid, Scott Free sees, a, uh, sees life a whole new way. He's the new high father of New Genesis, and he's madly in love with his wife and child. But what if it's all a lie? Did Mr. Miracle really escape death way back in issue number one? No one really knows, but Tom King and Mitch Garrods. Wow, they even throw it in the uh, blurb. Is it all a lie? Uh-huh. Well, Christian, was it all a lie? <sighs> I like to think that it wasn't, but... This question is never going to be answered. It's uh, completely left open for you, and it's still fit for this entire series. Yes, I love that. I love the fact <laughs> that it ended like with you mm. know. It's really just open to like free interpretation. It's so. not like this, you know, filled with exposition. You know, uh, book trying to explain what what is real, what isn't. Yeah, you know? and it's really you know, it, yeah, you're questioning from panel to panel, especially in this book. Mm. He's basically being haunted by, like, all these characters who've died in the previous arc, um, you know, and he's not even really acknowledging most of them, you know, and he's, they're just showing him living his life, you know, and he's happy as can be. But at the same time, you know, these characters are approaching him, you know, and they're all kind of like, I don't know, they're, revealing like different possibilities of what the hell's going on mm. but like none of them necessarily I, I mean i guess all of them could really work but it doesn't seem like he's really you know it really just leaves you with more questions than any kind of answers which i dig because you can really take what you want out of it well even in the end the reality of it all still like still questions it you know you have big bardo saying can you really escape Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's just yes. Well, then she even says apocalypse is, and then he makes a point to say no. You know, scot free is, um, and then yeah, you know, and it's kind of like in a very much like you know, like can you escape? But then at the same time, it's got a different meaning. Like mm-hmm. you know, she's saying it almost like playfully, but and then they do the little like glitch thing where they both glitch for the first time, which was interesting. So, because those characters that he's all being haunted by are glitching, you know, mm-hmm. um, and then that's the first time where they both glitch. So, I don't know if that's our cue to, like, you know, because last issue, Metron, like, is supposed to be showing Mr. Miracle, like, the real universe that's going on. And, you know, everything that he's, like, talking about, it sounds like the current DC, like, universe um, that, like... Mr. Miracle supposedly is existing outside of right mm-hmm. now. So, you know, and they allude to that, you know, that, you know, Mr. Miracle is choosing to live this, like, life now, even though, you know, he could be out, you know, 
in this actual universe and what I guess like a lot of characters are referring to is the real universe, you know, doing more. But, you know, like a lot of these characters are pleading with them like, oh, no, you're choosing this existence for yourself. You know, it's the easy way out, um, you know, when you could be doing more with yourself. But, you know, he's content in being just happy. Um, you know, for me, it felt like a bigger like metaphor for like, you know, anxiety and everything like that. But that's just me reading into it. It could mean completely <laughs> something else. You know, it felt like, you know, yeah, you're living your life, but, you know, depression and everything, that's a real thing. And you're still going to run into that. Even, no matter how good things are going, it's still going to be haunting you throughout your life. Um, so I don't know. I, I love this book, though. Like, I can't recommend this any more than we already have. Like, I feel like every time we review this book, we're, you know pleading with comic yes. book fans it's just to sad to see it, it come to an end it really is and they kind of hinted at the end that there might be another mr miracle book coming i, I doubt it's going to be by tom king yeah um but you know i i don't think they're continuing this storyline no. at all I and mean, we've seen like mr miracle is kind of part of what tom king's um, um heroes in crisis and heroes in crisis. i mean at least he's on the covers yes but. yes so it feels like he's going to be there but i feel like that they're not going to address anything that's gone mm-hmm. on in the story arc so but i dig that i really do I, i'm fine with this being kind of a standalone like you know story um you know so and this is definitely one for the books where you're going to remember it you know and people are going to be talking about it for years so if you haven't been reading this definitely check it out i completely agree um you know tom king his writing this year has just been phenomenal for me Mm -hmm. uh reading all of this it's gotten me even wanting to start writing again so it's just like yeah that says a lot when a writer can like you know inspire you Mm -hmm. you know so um but yeah no he really hit it out of the park with this i can only i can't imagine what he's going to do next so yeah, yeah. Is his Batman arc coming to an end? Uh, I'm not sure. Uh, it seems like he's still got a while to go. So, Yeah, he's deep, too. Like mm-hmm. He's been They're on that for a while. 58, I think, now? Holy shit. Wow. Wow. So that's a, that's a good run right mm-hmm. there. Yeah, so that's going to do it for comics. We had a big weekend. Yes, uh, it was Survivor Series weekend. That's right. And we will start off, even though we didn't preview it, we'll talk NXT TakeOver War Games 2. Yes. But why is everybody pregnant? It's the Small Town Mentality Podcast with Ben and Austin. That's us. <laughs> We're Ben and Austin. <laughs> And this is our show. <laughs> Fuck, man. <laughs> I'm leaving it. Let's just do it. Just push God. through it. I don't even know. Just do it, man. I don't even know. This is our promo. <laughs> All right. Check us out on the Small Town Mentality <laughs> Podcast. You can find us everywhere you get podcasts. com, And on Twitter at SDMPod, on Instagram at SDMPodcast, and Facebook.com forward slash SDMPod. Come over and watch. <laughs> Oh, this is, uh, this is bad. This is really bad. Well, thanks for listening. Bye. (laughs) Now accessing wrestling. All right. So we started off with a match that wasn't announced at all. Uh, Matt Riddle came out and he made a challenge to uh, Cassius Ono. Um, and Ono answered 
and then the match was over. <laughs> <laughs> I think um, they even uh, said it on commentary. I think the bell was still ringing when he got hit <laughs> with the knee. Yeah, he fucked him up. They're definitely behind Riddle. And, you know, he's had lots of hype mm. and everything. Um, I did not know much about Riddle beforehand. I just, you know, obviously he's an internet darling and people have been praising him for a while now. Um, I did not know about the bro gimmick. Yeah. I'm not a huge fan of that. Um, <laughs> but, you know, he seems like a phenomenal worker. So It'll sell shirts. Yeah, it'll be fried for a little bit. I don't know. It feels very like Van Damme-ish to me, um, you know, which I felt like I don't know that always hurt his character in a way. So, but that's another podcast. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I mean, this was a nice little introduction for yes. Riddle. I know he had a match before this, but yeah, this was a good introduction for him. So, all right, what do we got next? Uh, we so technically the real star of the show would be uh, the NXT Women's Championship match. Uh, that was between Shanna Baszler and uh, Kyrie Sane. Uh, we have uh, Shanna Baszler going over, uh, continue holding the title. Um, this was a great match. Uh, it was a good little starter. Um, two, two out of uh, three falls. Two out of three falls. Yes. Um, I still, I, I'm not a big fan of that match type. I always yeah. feel like it sets up for you know like kind of you know they're gonna go one one yeah. right off the bat so. You know, rarely do you just get two falls, mm-hmm. you know? So you are kind of like, okay, well, I know exactly, you know, you have an idea of how this match is going But after to work. that first fall was out of the way, I mean, it definitely picked up from there. And, and it was a quick fall, too, mm-hmm. which I thought was different, at least, you know? You had the, you know, horsewoman attacking her and everything mm-hmm. and the ending very quickly, um, which was smart. So that was, that was well done. I like when they keep it a little, you know, a surprise in mm-hmm. there and change it up a little. Um, cause yeah, you're, if it's a match like this, you're trying to get a fall no matter what. So, um, it seems like they're going to be, I don't know, you know, working that stable a little more. Um, it still feels like it's too soon to me. Like the, you know, the other two horsewomen, if you will, feel very green. Mm-hmm. Um, but we'll see what happens. I mean, as NXT, it's where they're supposed to be, you know, growing uh, up, I guess, yeah, a little bit. I guess. I don't know. I guess maybe <laughs> if they just kind of, you know, follow, you know, Baszler's, you know, lead and my just assumption is that, his grunts. But. My assumption is that we're going to get a six-man match between um, her, because we also had um, Dakota and Io uh, show up to fight to fight off um, I almost forgot Shana's about that. friends. Yeah, yeah. God, Io's fucking moonsault. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. She is uh, definitely giving Kodo a run for his money. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's ridiculous. What's her fucking, what's the uh, the nickname? Her mom. Oh, Genius of the Sky. Genius of the Sky. Just rolls off the tongue, huh? Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but it is a beautiful moonsault. It really is. It's textbook. Um, but yeah, it did not help, you know, uh, Sane at all. She ends up losing the match yes. here. So, um, what did you think overall, like comparatively speaking, to the other matches? Well, compared, this was like maybe a C or a B compared to yeah. the rest of the matches on this card. But we, that's because we had. Well, I'm talking about comparatively, like oh, to the matches, so the other matches in the feud. I, I mean, I definitely enjoyed their earlier matches way more than this. Yeah. I think it's getting watered down by the fact that it's like friends interfering and stuff like that. But Do you think they move on from this program? Right now, no. You, I think so you think Sane's going to get her rematch, and then mm-hmm. then I hope they move on. Like, I don't want to see 
more than another match. Like I feel like it should be a rematch and then you're done. I, I can see this going all the way till WrestleMania weekend takeover. Oh, I hope not. I feel like they got. I feel like they've got other talent that they need to like shine the spotlight on. At this point, that feels like a long time. Well, you're talking you... about. You're talking about April. I know. So, but they've, they've already working had like section. three matches. I mean, you could have. <laughs> I guess you could have Candice show up in that spot and go up against Baszler. Yeah, but I'm trying. Who else? Do you I just imagine? feel like if Sane doesn't beat Baszler the next match, mm-hmm. they're gonna move on. You know what I'm saying? You know, I, and rightfully so. I feel like that that story for now has run its course. You know, and they could have another challenger against Baszler. I guess, yeah. So, but I mean, it could go either way. It is mm-hmm. NXT, so they like to tell the long story, which is good. You know, it's something that we don't get from the main roster yes. very often. Um, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I definitely, I would. This is probably my least favorite out of the matches that they've had, you know, overall. So, uh, up next, uh, we got Alexander Black uh, versus Johnny Gargano. That's crazy thing that came up next. Um, this was another. This was phenomenal. <laughs> uh, Hard hitting match. Uh, yes. <laughs> I was not prepared for the strike game from both of these guys. I love the quick pace mm-hmm. too. I mean. I haven't seen like Black in this gear before. Um, it was, it was phenomenal to see. It really was. Um, you know, to take your word. Black that. comes out of this looking like a total badass too. We're talking absolutely. About that. that did nothing but make Black, you know, shine even brighter. Mm. So, um, but I, it helps Johnny too because it shows what he can do in the ring. Mm. You know, um, are you buying Johnny as a heel? Um, not yet, really. Yeah. Yeah, me too. I'm having a hard time with. I that. did. I did like his snarky attitude when he came out to the ring, and he's like, you know, trying to point out that he's still technically the hero, and he's pointing out to only the fans that are cheering him. So, like, I like that gimmick that he's doing. Like, I am still a good guy. Like, it, like I just feel like it's predictable. I feel like I know where this is all leading. This is just going to be him going back after Chandler. Like, yeah. He's had to like reinvent himself you know go through this like emo stage and now he's gonna be you know because their story is obviously not done yes yes i'm okay with you know that happening like at wrestlemania though like i don't need them to face each other like Mm. next takeover which i think is rumble so it'll be in january um i like i think probably maybe black gets a rematch yeah. i'm assuming Chavo. that's where that goes next yeah and i think they even alluded to that being like oh whoever wins this match is kind of the next contender yeah for the title so but yeah i i, I agree with you this did nothing but like build black mm. more so um, i mean that two black masses at the end like when he stopped him on uh Gargano holding him up with his chest it's like, oh, this is just badass. Yes, right. <laughs> it's only a matter of time before Vince calls him up and ruins mm. him. So. <laughs> Although this true. is the kind of guy that Vince would like. So, you know, he's got kind of like an Undertaker like vibe to him. Mm. There's theatrics like involved with him. So I could see Vince taking to him. Quickly. But would they water him down to maybe like a Drew McIntyre level character? I don't know if you could. Why you say watered down? Because I feel describe. like there's this, there's a lot to Alistair's character where they're almost considering him like this, like satanic, you know, being and almost. No, I think he plays up that. Hmm. I think he enjoys the gimmick. I think he, you know, 
he cares about the gimmick more than he cares about the actual performer. Okay. So I think he'll play that up. Um, I, you know, and I, it only makes sense because McMahon, I mean, he needs a new Undertaker. Mm-hmm. So, um, I think he probably has him talk less. <laughs> you know, um, you know, I'm not impressed with Black on the mic at all. Um, so I, I would definitely, you know, shut him up and just, you know, be him, a, be a man of few words and let him do his talking in the ring. Um, I think that would definitely do him wonders. Mm. So, cause th- this match was phenomenal. Just don't immediately treat him like he's taker though, because that's what happened with, uh, Bray and they, you know, they immediately put him in this spot of, you know, he can take th- loss or um, I wouldn't have him doing like fucking supernatural shit like shooting lightning yeah. out of his ass or whatever but like <laughs> I mean he's already got the the taker entrance if you really look mm. at it you know so I I don't know man I I definitely, I'm still headbanging my all the way through that entrance. it's a badass <laughs> it really does and it really you know sells him as a performer mm. and but he lives up to it which is great you know it really is um for me and I mean, this was the match of the night for me. Mm-hmm. I really enjoyed it. It's not saying anything against any of the other matches, but this was an eye opener for me. So I really dug this match. Just the quick pace and everything like that. And those guys were just on, like, they're firing on all cylinders, really. Yes. So um, everything was clicking for them in the ring. So um, next up was um. uh, Champa versus The Dream. Um,. Man, this is a damn good match. Yes, um, you know I didn't, I did expect it to be a good match, but I didn't expect it to be like on this level for me at least. Uh, I it's two very different styles, mm-hmm. two very different styles. So like um, I never pictured you know Dream possibly being a winner of this match, but uh, while watching this, I was like on the edge of my seat, pretty much like. Is he going to win this title at this point? And that's what you want. Mm-hmm. You know, you want to be able to, like, believe, okay, you know, he's got a chance. Um, you know, it did. I agree with you. When he hit that one elbow drop at the end, I was like, holy shit, is this it? Yes. Um, pretty fucking awesome match. Um, they both had really good chemistry in the ring. It was nice to see. Um, you know, uh, last match I saw with Dream was against, um, oh, God, what's his fucking name? I can't even think uh, of EC3? it. EC3? EC3, thank you. And I haven't... To catch up, I like watched the last like three or four episodes of NXT. I don't even think I saw EC3 on any of those. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if they're retooling or whatnot or just giving them a breather. But like that match with Dream, like they just did not... I don't know. They did not mesh well at all yeah. in the ring. Um, but this was the opposite of that. These were two performers really kind of feeding off each other. Um, you know, they're you know, clashing styles actually enhanced the match, I mm-hmm. thought. So, um, I, I enjoyed that. And I, I dream once again with the outfit, you know, coming out looking like Hollywood Hogan and everything. <laughs> um, but then Ciampa, just his response to everything, you know. I thought that out. whole um, headband moment where his headband came off, I thought that was like an Legit. accident. And then they worked it? Yeah. Could be. But... I feel like the spots after that were too like well planned. Uh-huh. Like he had to reach for it to have Champa attack. At this point. I could see them being, but they're. I mean, 
Champa especially. I mean, he's an experienced you mm. know vet in that ring, so I, he knows how to fucking roll with something, you know. So and he's definitely leading that match still. You know, Dream's awesome and great, but you know he's not the general that Champa is. At this oh, he's twenty three. Yes. Yeah. Oh, the sky's the fucking <laughs> limit. <laughs> the sky's the limit with him. I mean, McMahon will totally ruin him, but yeah, the sky's the limit. Mm-hmm. You know, he'll be Fandango in like six months. Uh, <laughs> Don't make me cry, man. Oh, sorry. <laughs> it's too easy. <laughs> um, but yeah, this was this was a match. This was a damn good match. Mm. And for me, it was match of the night. That's fair enough. That's fair enough. I wouldn't argue with you mm. on that. You know, either way. And this is this is what the NXT takeover shows do, mm. though. I mean, they give you a small card. I mean, it was still three hours long, but they let them focus on the wrestling and you know god they really put their work in and they but, don't disappoint mm, and it's just weird because there was no loss of energy for me like each match i was just like this is great this yeah. is great this is great see i'll disagree with you with the next well yes you know um there, match, the main event it almost really. felt like um the war games matches we're about to talk about um kind of was like almost its own performance Yes. Outside of all of it, it was long enough for yes. You know, lengthwise, <laughs> it could have been. I was like, its own oh, show. there's still an hour and seven minutes left of this. Yes, um. <laughs> yes. and they milked that hour and seven mm-hmm. minutes. It's okay. So we we have the War Games match, you know, on last. Uh, Pete Dunn, Ricochet, and the War Raiders versus the Undisputed Era. Um, right off the bat. I hate when WWE does do they they do these matches these gimmick matches nowadays because for me if you're in a cage and it's fucking war games mm. like there better be a fucking crimson mask there better be blood like it's got you know that cage has to come into play and it did to a certain extent but it, you know not to where mm. you know it needed to be um, it didn't feel like a blood feud to me either Mm. you know it didn't feel like you know to me like i always think like flair the horseman you know against you know dusty roads and the you know road warriors like you know that level you know nikita call off like that level of feud you know where they're just you you know someone's gonna die you know (laughs) facing each other um that's how those early war game matches felt um it eventually got watered down too but this had some great spots. Um, you know, it was well worked at times, but there are times where it just pacing wise, it kind of felt flat. Um, you know, especially everything with like, you know, the little shark cages that they had going on. Yeah. I don't believe that was originally, the, yeah, they did, they didn't use it on any version of like the original war games that I can think of with the shark cages. So, I don't know. I felt like that was an element that wasn't needed. I didn't think it really added anything to the, you know, to the match. Um, you know, I know it was supposed to be there to work the suspense of, like, who's going to come out, but I didn't need that. And then we focused too much on it. Like, what the um, Undisputed Era locks, like, you know, Pete Dunn into mm. the cage. And it was like, okay, come Just on. Which added another 15 minutes to the match. Yes, that's what it felt like. <laughs> Um, you know, until like someone finally, you know, found some bolt cu- cutters and got him out of there. Um, I'm pretty sure when they threw the um, keys into the crowd, the crowd threw the keys back. Oh, really? Because you can hear the um, crowd immediately cheers um, once uh, he's walking down the ramp. 
after oh, okay. locking him in. And I just, I'm like, someone, I, I'm assuming someone would have thrown it back. <laughs> <laughs> I'd hold on to that shit. Put it on eBay. <laughs> fuck that. Um, but yeah, yeah. That being said, it was it was a good match. It was fine. I just didn't feel like it lived up to the rest of the matches on the card. Mm. You know. I, mean, I, I just, I didn't feel like, for me, I didn't feel like the cage added anything mm-hmm. to the match. A um, couple spots here and there. Exactly. Uh, other than, of course, the typical you know, ricochet is going to jump off the top of the cage. So it was like, it was pretty yeah. telegraphed kind of moment. Like, okay, I know where they're going with this. Um, as cheesy as it was, I did enjoy the moment where they were like, both in the separate rings, and then they like slowly approached each other, and then you got this yeah, shot I, where they're all that was fun. like talking trash uh-huh. to each other. I thought that was a cool moment, but I would have had them attack a little bit faster. I think at that point, but yeah, they they milked it a little. <laughs> but I I thought that was a fun moment mm-hmm. visually. That was kind of cool um, to see. I didn't like uh, Pete Dunn having to bring in all the instruments pretty much at that point. Yeah. It's like, why not just have one or two people at a time have gone while they were coming to the ring bringing a weapon? Exactly. Rather than, you know, he's like, and it's awkward because you have all Undisputed Era being beat up by Ricochet while everyone else is picking everything up into the ring. Uh huh. Yeah. It's just. Yeah, it did feel that way. And I always groan when I see like a garbage can or something yes. like that. Like, what the fuck is this garbage can doing underneath the ring? Um, but it's wrestling. It's wrestling. I was like, no one even uses this kind of garbage can anymore. So Mm. like nineteen like seventies, like that steel like can. I was like, that's not even a thing anymore. Where do you where do you even buy a garbage can like that? Except for like wrestling (laughs) RS. Like (laughs) it's like right next to the kendo sticks. Like what do you want them to bring in neon lights? No, just fucking bring in chairs. (laughs) (laughs) Something that logically makes sense Mm. that would be underneath the ring. Maybe. It's just like, um, what? Uh, for me, Becky Lynch versus Charlotte felt more dangerous and more like violent than this War Games match. Yes, yes. Cam's just, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if you know, me and my buddies beat each other up enough with garbage cans to mm. know that they don't hurt that much. You know, it's like back in the like late 90s when they used like the cookie sheets all the fucking time. I was like, okay, that doesn't actually hurt, so stop. <laughs> Uh, but that's just me. It wasn't like I. It sounds like we're shitting all over this match. It was a good match. It had mm. great spots. It's, it's still NXT. Yes, exactly, <laughs> exactly. It just didn't feel like it lived up to the rest mm. of the card. It really didn't. So, um, but you know, overall, what would you rate the whole show? Um, I would give it a four. Yeah. I still enjoy it. I, those two matches were enough for me to want to rewatch this. Oh, absolutely. So. Absolutely, I would give it a four. Also, I agree with that. So, um, but yeah, they they never, rarely ever disappoint. So, all right. So moving on to our Sunday night, we had Survivor Series, one of the big four pay per views of the year. Um, are we going to talk the uh, ten on ten Survivor Series tag team elimination match? I actually didn't have time to watch the pre-show this year, so. Oh wow, because yeah, you're my guy on point because I didn't watch <laughs> it either. But and this is the only time I'm going to say this: SmackDown won. Yes. <laughs> that was a huge spoiler, but I'm sure you know by now it was not SmackDown's night. Uh, so up next we had Team Raw. 
Um, versus uh, Team SmackDown, and this was the women's division. Mickey James, Nia Jax, Tamina, uh, Bailey, and Sasha Banks. Um, and that's with Alexa Bliss as their captain, which I don't even understand, but they, I guess they just needed her out there. You know, they, she you know they, they probably wanted her on the card, so they just... Exactly, exactly. Because who was who's Team SmackDown's captain? Um, Naomi. Is it really? It was originally going to be Charlotte, but then Charlotte, you know, moved up, so it was Naomi. Yeah, and then there was speculation that Charlotte, because she they're doing that whole like head case angle after she lost to Becky, where she just didn't have confidence anymore. Uh, and then we also had Team SmackDown that had Naomi, uh, Cam- Camilla, Carmilla, Carmella. I can't say Carmella's name today. It's okay. uh, it Sonya Deville, in the morning, so. Asuka, and Mandy Rose. All right. Uh, thoughts on the match? Um, I didn't have a problem with it. It it was it was definitely like a run of the mill Survivor Series match. Just get out of the way for me. Um, I felt like this match was so one sided. Like if you look at these two teams next to each other, like mm. I mean, Raw has them overpowered. You know, it just but you could say that exactly the same thing for the male uh, match as well later on. I, That's how I felt at least. Really? No. Like Braun, Bobby Lashley, and okay, Braun, I'll give you, but you also have Samoa Joe, Jeff Hardy, Rey Mysterio. You know, well, in the Miz. <laughs> <laughs> I can kind of see where you're going from. Okay, and I was going to say, although Shane McMahon fucking took on the Undertaker for crying out loud. So back to the women's match. Yes. <laughs> Anyways, it was very one-sided. Um, what we had, uh, Naomi gets immediately. Um, eliminated correctly. I guess I don't know, man. This was uh, this was I don't know. That I know. Yeah, it was what it was. It was very one for one per for eliminations, and then they came down to Oscar. Yeah, and I'm just saying the match sucked, Christian. I'm not saying how <laughs> the elimination order. I'm just saying it just really did nothing for me. It was just to get Nia over, right? Yeah, it it seemed that way. A lot of people. She is getting some serious fucking heat, though. Mm. Holy shit! She came out and it was nuclear. Yes, yes, yes. Rightfully so. Fuck her. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I. It kind of makes me sick to think that they're pushing her. You know, and using this as like heat right now for her. Oh, I told you it was gonna happen. Well, yes, and it's obvious it's gonna happen. It happened with Owen Hart, but Owen Hart's at least when he, you know. Injured Stone Cold. Like, he literally came out with the Owen 316 shirt, you know, mm. and on the back of it said, I just broke your neck. Um, like, they did that. But the difference is, is Owen's felt like an accident where Nia felt like, to me, it still looks like she fucking meant to, like, punch her in the face. So if it was something that was blatant, and there's no way we'll really ever know. Um, so, I. It just, it feels kind of gross to me that they're using that, you know, to build up her feud with Rhonda. Got a hashtag, man. You know, so I just, was it, I broke your, I broke your face or something yeah, like that. Yeah, face breaker or something like face that. Face breaker, whatever. Um, and just, I don't give a shit about Naya. I really don't. Mm. I, she almost feels like the big show at this point, just in terms of like, she's flipped like three times this year so mm. far. It's just, it's bad story writing. You know, it really is. It's horrible booking. I don't know what they're doing. I think it's it's going to, in the long term, like, hurt her character. But she's just dangerous in the ring at the point. And I'll argue that she's more dangerous than the fucking, um, the Bella Twins. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, 
she's injuring people left and right, you know, and just, and I know it's part of the storyline. I know they're probably, you know, she's probably apologizing like crazy backstage. Um, but, you know, the fact that, you know, she's like braggadocious about it, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I, I guess I'm being a mark about this. But <laughs> I just, I, I, I don't that. blame it's you. It's just going to be like a month feud and like, that's all this is for, mm-hmm. you know, just to help Rhonda right now. But it's not going to help her at this point. No, no, no. And I didn't feel like she needed it at this point. So, you know, I, I just don't know. I was just, I was hoping there'd be repercussions for Naya if it is a case of her getting stiffed a little and then she just turned around and decked Becky, you know, losing control of herself, you know, as a performer. Because um, it didn't look like, oh, it's just a potato or something she was throwing out there. It looked like she fucking meant to deck her in the face. So, uh, we'll never know. Yeah, I think we know. Uh, <laughs> But anyway, so yes, Knight ends up going over mm-hmm. here, uh, over Asuka, you know, which at this point I'm numb to. Um, but yeah, yeah. So, and then Alexa and Naya seem to be buddies again. You know, they they were out together yeah. on Raw. I, I, w- I would have liked at least like a, like, I'm scared, like a, a jump at um, Oh, Alexa. like she flexes her or something yeah. like that? Yeah, I guess. Um, and we don't know what the hell's going on with Alexa. They don't really care either. about that storyline. So no, oh, yeah, but um, they don't care about any of the storylines, Christian. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, let's move on. Uh, we have Seth Rollins going up against Nakamura, and you know, those are two massive names, two names that I, I'm I'm a huge fan of both superstars. This match bored the fuck out of me. Really, I enjoyed this match. I did not. Really? It I was thought too I, slow paced. It was interesting. I liked this match. I enjoyed this match. It's yeah. not what I expected from either superstar. Really? Okay. I thought they had great chemistry together. I really <laughs> enjoyed them. I, I thought the pacing was good and everything. Um and I'd like to see them face each other again. I enjoyed this match. I'd like so. to see them fight again, but I'd like to see it, it definitely way more hard hitting from both of these two. I thought it was hard hitting at points, you know. I Especially after NXT, watching those matches, I, I just felt like nothing. I could to see it. that. I don't know. I enjoyed this match. I really thought it was a good match. I'd like to see Nakamura They shine. had the time. It wasn't like they didn't have enough time or anything. Yeah. I enjoyed it, though. Like I, So I agree they I'm had the time. Saying. I enjoyed it. We're going to disagree here. I enjoyed this match. I thought this was a good match. I, I thought they had good chemistry in the ring. And I hope they meet again. So I really did. I did like this match. So I thought that, especially the spot at the end with those two going at it, back and forth, and everything, and how like Seth ended up hitting the curb stomp was awesome. So I dug this match. I really did. Um, you know, I don't know. I don't know. Especially for a match that just kind of like out of nowhere. Mm. <laughs> and especially since it, maybe I just I missed Nakamura. So maybe that's part of it. It's been but, a while. But I, yes, exactly. So I dug this match. So, but a match I did not dig was AOP versus uh, the Bar and yes. the Big Show. They still don't have an official name. Um, so basically, they're just gonna go with Show Bar at some point. Eventually, eventually, yeah, unfortunately, or the Big Show will just turn on them. So. Um, but yeah, so you got AOP uh, getting the win here just because they scared the shit out of uh, 
Yes. Uh, that was such a weak finish. Yes. Maverick, and he pisses on himself. I was like, you have four men, I'm no, sorry, three men staring at one man pissing himself, and then... They're laughing. And laughing, and then immediate loss. Yes. <laughs> yes. Very weak. Um, I don't know. Does neither team any, you know, good? Really doesn't help get over either team at all. Enzo tried to uh, fucking... Uh, oh, hijack the, show. hijack the show. He's in the front row. What a sad little fuck. <laughs> he only had, um, well, the rumor is he only had 35 people show up to his concert after that anyway. Oh, was that before his concert? Yeah. Uh, he was supposed to have some type of L.A. show this weekend and uh, didn't really do anything for him. That's crazy. So he thought people were going to like run to his show after that or something? I don't know. Maybe it would get some more buzz out there or something. Oh, my God. I'm assuming. Because I didn't realize it was going on until, like, I checked, like, social media, like, after. You know, well, it, I watched this after a lot of social media came out. I watched this the Monday after. So okay. I was, okay. like, people posting his picture all over the place. Oh, like, yeah, they had the fucking video hmm. up. Like, well, I mean, even if you're watching the pay-per-view, you see him clearly stand up, and he's there. Uh, oh, see, I didn't notice it. I did you, not uh, notice it. I mean, they're trying to cut away from it a bunch, but, like, whenever they went to the main camera, he was right there. What a so. fucking jackass. What is he thinking? And he, like, he, he just did, like, some interview where he's saying, I'm done with wrestling, I'll never go back. And this is obviously a cry to, like, you know, try to get attention and to get re-signed. Yeah, that's what I feel like this is. Mm. This That's the only reason to do this. So to create buzz for yourself. You know? I, just, I hate that the crowd even ate it up, though. At some points, I don't know if you... Now, on the video I saw, it just looked like the like it sounded weak because it was just like the people around him hmm. that was like chanting along with him, doing his little shtick. But... Well, later on, after he's already been taken away, you can hear the crowd say, we want Enzo. Oh, God. And there's a certain point where the other half of the crowd was like, no, we don't. <laughs> oh, really? Okay, so I got to, But at first, there was a definitely strong, we want Enzo. Okay. Like, eh. thank, no, we don't. Yeah. Please, don't listen, McMahon. I love that that security guard was going to beat the shit out of him. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the same security guard that um, pulled um, Kronk backwards. Oh, really? WrestleMania. That's just what it looked like her, at least to me. Okay, okay, yeah. She was going to take him down. So. <laughs> she doesn't play. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, what do we got next? Well, yeah, just to get back to the pissing thing, we, and that continued on to uh, Raw uh, this week. That was yes, like and that became a huge... Segment. Yeah, whatever. It was <laughs> stupid. <laughs> McMahon's, like, you know, idea of what comedy is. Mm. You know, it wasn't even, like, a good, like... You could tell that, like, um... He was holding the pump. Pump, and, like, he was trying to get it to work yes, properly. Yes, and it wasn't working. Time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And yeah. he's, like, overreacting. He's like, oh, no! Uh-huh, was, and they're all staring at him. Yeah, just, like, waiting for something to happen. It's like, nothing's happening. Yeah, yeah, it was a little awkward and just lame. So it was written by a 12-year-old mm-hmm. who happens to be an 80-year-old man. <laughs> it's just... I don't get it, but whatever. Uh, next, we have Buddy Murphy defeating Mustafa Ali. And Holy then, um, shit. Oh, 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 oh. And then next, we have uh, Team Raw going up against <laughs> SmackDown. <laughs> uh, I, I did not watch the Cruiserweight match. Uh, it was on my TV. Yes. I was in front of it. <laughs> but I don't feel like I really watched it. Okay. So I, um, I just scanned ahead. 
I just don't know anything about them. It, the match did not catch my attention at all, and it was kind of like a moment to like check, you know, the internet out and see what was going on. So I just kind and of that has nothing to do with the talent that's in the ring. Nothing to do with it. I guess it's just. Uh, I mean, maybe it's the shackles that you know they have on them. You mm. know, you, you know, we don't want to see this. We don't see that. So it makes their style kind of bland right now, and that's how I feel about the cruiserweight. You know, the two hundred five live guys right now. They've been watered down where I just don't give a shit about them. Mm. Um, you know, that's definitely not what we saw at the Cruiserweight Classic. If you gave me a show with those guys and then, like, you know, no restrictions, I'm watching it. But this, no, no. Um, it's just smaller versions of what we get every mm. fucking Monday night and, you know, Tuesday night. So um, why should I give a shit? <laughs> but I'm happy for them. At least they got on the main card. Mm. That's crazy. <laughs> Um, next up, we got Team Raw versus Team SmackDown. And this is the male side. Dolph Ziggler, Drew McIntyre, Braun Strowman, Finn Balor, and Bobby Lashley going against... Oh, and that's with Team Captain Baron Corbin. And Leo Rush on the side. Yeah, I didn't mention that on purpose. And then uh, we've got The Miz, Shane McMahon, Rey Mysterio, Samoa Joe, and Jeff Hardy representing SmackDown. Now, why the hell do you think Samoa Joe went out so early? To, I don't know. Was it to build McIntyre, or do you think he's injured still? He could still be injured. That would make sense. Because he was their only legit chance <laughs> at winning that match. Mm. And, like, he went out, what was it, like, the first two minutes? Mm. It was insane. I was like, oh, now I don't care about this match anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh yeah, there there's no no strong guys on there. And I hated everything about like the build up, like the backstage vignettes that they were showing where like Samojo seemed to be like buying into like, you know, all the like, you know, pep talk and everything. I was like, what the fuck is this? This is so out of character for Samoa Joe. Mm. I just hated everything. And then to see him get like kind of squashed by McIntyre, I was like Well, he did get the cocaine clutch on him like two or three times. At the beginning. Yeah, in the very beginning. And then just, I don't know. I don't know, man. Come on. It's Samoa Joe. It was weak sauce, but... Yes, yes. It was the only sauce we got, all right? Come on. No, it doesn't mean I have to take it. (laughs) I don't want your sauce. (laughs) All right, dude? (laughs) Your sauce sucks. (laughs) You built the guy for the last, like, two, three months. You know, he's going after your fucking world title, and then you do this to him. I don't know. It just made me think, okay, he's injured. We needed someone, you know, a name on this team, but he's still hurt, so we'll get you out of there early. And we'll build McIntyre at the same time. So, because they're really getting behind Drew in a big way, um, especially on Raw Mm. this past week. Like, he seems like he's going to be your main heel for a while. So, which I'm fine with. I mean, phenomenal worker, you know, great on the mic. It's about fucking time. You know, so I can I can definitely dig, you know, a Drew McIntyre run. Um, but I don't like it at the cost of Samoa mm-hmm. Joe because I feel like he should be your champion on SmackDown right now, honestly. Um, but anyway, what did you think of this match? Um, I don't know. I was really out of, like, I really wasn't interested. Like, just like as you said, as soon as Samoa Joe was out, I was like, all right, I kind of see where this is going. It's going to come down to we're going to have a bunch of big players on the raw side, and it's going to be Shane fucking McMahon. 
Yep, and that's pretty much what happened. <laughs> I, was like, I did like the back and forth, but I liked the Raw guys like beating the shit out of each other, <laughs> you know, throughout the match. I thought that like kind of led to some intrigue, like what the fuck is going, you know? Mm-hmm. Or is but it didn't create enough of like a mo like a moment where SmackDown was like, oh, we can overcome this because of that. Yeah, because they got the a couple pins, but then it ended. You up- have the Raw guys beating themselves up and then also beating up SmackDown. Yeah. Yeah, because you had them take out Balor, and then is that it? Is that the only pin that they got? Oh, they, got Dolph. Um, they got Dolph too. Okay, they got Balor and Dolph. Did they the two favorite of the team? Or was Lashley there? No, at the Lashley end. was okay. there at the end. So, so you yeah. had Shane versus Drew McIntyre, Braun Strowman, and Bobby Lashley, and not even really because yes. Shane gets in and gets taken out. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so, uh, and I, you know, this is at the same time right now, if you're, you know, tallying it up, SmackDown has lost every match except for the pre-show, and I'm thinking, okay, well, this is leading to something, you know, and they're making sure they mention it every fucking time, mm-hmm. more so than usual at, like, a Survivor Series event, um, so I'm thinking, okay, well, this is going to lead to something, you know, big on SmackDown, and it didn't. It just, you know, McMahon decided to just shit on SmackDown this yeah. week for some reason. Um, and I don't know, maybe this was like, it, it, you know, there's more to come um, next week. Maybe they didn't feel like, you know, this was the right, you know, week to tell this story because it's like Thanksgiving week. So, you know, they were kind of in Hollywood, uh, holiday mode. You know, they of course, you know, someone was dressed up like Pilgrims and of course it was the New Day. Um, but... You know, they, they, I think even Shane on Twitter went on and said there are going to be big changes coming to SmackDown. There were no big changes coming to SmackDown. So it was a very run-of-the-mill show, which was disappointing. Um, but yeah, anyway, so yes, uh, SmackDown got destroyed. Um, it was kind of embarrassing. Um, at the match ends with Corbin uh, attacking um, Braun. Braun at the end. Um I think we had some more moments on Raw. Yes, on Raw, basically, we get um, them setting up a match for TLC where if uh, Braun wins, um, I don't, I think he, no, he already has his title shot. I feel like he's guaranteed his title shot or something on, on, uh, at the Rumble against Brock. Although he should be guaranteed. So maybe I'm remembering this wrong. But Corbin, what he gets out of it, if he beats Braun, is he'll end up becoming the permanent GM okay. um, of the show. So, like, she, Stephanie was still unwilling to name him, like, the permanent GM, you know, even though she hates Kurt Angle, mm-hmm. you know, and has hated Kurt Angle for the last year. She still doesn't want to give it to Corbin, so, um, uh, but whatever. And then they end up having a match um, where they take out Strowman, um, McIntyre, Lashley, and Corbin. Um, and they run an injury angle um, because Braun seems to actually be hurt. He's got an elbow issue. Yes. So he's actually going to have surgery this week. So I don't know where that leaves us with all these, like, you know. Just depends on if he gets back in time, like his for... recovery, I guess. Um, I mean, he could probably wrestle one arm to be <laughs> okay. And it would actually be believable for the because of the way they booked him um, at this point. But yeah. It, it's kind of weird that they set up these like two shows, but then you know you know your guy has to have surgery this week, so they must have gotten word that it's minor surgery and that he mm. should be back in time because I don't see why else he would do that. Um, but all right, 
next up, uh, for me, it was the match of the night. It was Ronda Rousey uh, versus Charlotte Flair. Absolutely, it was the match of the night. Um, Charlotte and Ronda really, you know, put on that WrestleMania quality match that we, you know, expected from them. I mean, does it end like a WrestleMania match? No. Yes, yeah. it's, it's you know it's quickly shut down by a beatdown from Charlotte. A fantastic <laughs> beatdown, though a glorious beatdown. Mm. Um, Ronda definitely earned her stripes in this match. Mm. Um, it, it it was something to be seen. Like it just kept on going and going and going to the point where you kind of felt uncomfortable, but you're liking it at the same time. Uh, <laughs> or maybe that was just me. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, Charlotte's taking out refs and everything. Mm. She just became unhinged, which I dug. Um, but the match itself was great. I really enjoyed these two against each other. They had great chemistry in the ring, great back and forth. It was mm. hard hitting. Um, you know, and it just, it's amazing to think that this is Rhonda's, like, I think, eighth month in the business. Mm-hmm. Like she it feels like she's been group. around for a while. Exactly. But, like,. You, Honestly, she's had how many televised matches at this point? It's maybe like 10, 15. Mm-hmm. I mean, and to put on a show like this, you know. And I mean, Charlotte's helping her out in there. Don't get me wrong, you know. But it's not like she's like carrying it all by herself. Rhonda's definitely selling and, you know, um, doing her end, you know, uh, you know, of the match. So I thought this was well put together. This left me wanting to see these two against each other more. So definitely match of the night. Um, you know, I don't know with this heel turn. It very much felt like a heel turn but with Charlotte and her kind of like the way they sold it on SmackDown, which I wasn't a huge fan of. It seemed like it was more of like Charlotte getting her groove back, um, you know, getting that confidence and becoming, you know, the queen again. You know, um, you had the... Uh, you had Paige come out first and find Charlotte for attacking the refs. And, you know, Charlotte was celebrating in the ring beforehand, you know, just fully, in, you know, like, you know, touting her, you know, beat down on mm-hmm. Rousey. Um, and she mentioned that she did it for Becky, which I found curious, too. I was like, oh, I didn't expect to hear that from her. But she's, you know, you know, that's what Becky would have wanted. And so that's why I did what I did. Um, and, you know, you brought up the yeah. good point that, you know, maybe maybe this is what they had in store, you know, for the Lynch Because it sounds exactly like something that Lynch would have done. It's not a match for the title. Why does she care? Yeah. Yeah. That would make sense character-wise for mm-hmm. her and everything. Um, this, um, she, she, you know, so the fact that she said that, then the Iconics came out and they kind of challenged her. I don't know if they were thinking that she was beating up, but then she ended up beating one of them and then right away challenged the next one. So this is definitely, you know, her at her cockiness, mm. you know. Um, she was wooing away and shredding away. Um, so it feels like we've got, like, the Charlotte that we've been wanting for, you know, the last year or so since they kind of turned her face. Um, she's got her edge back, um, which is great to see. Um, I don't know what, we're doing with this um i I don't know when lynch is expected back Mm. um i don't know if you know what we're speculating on next week is actually or last week was is going to end up happening where we're saying maybe they kind of keep her off you know till rumble and you have that big moment with becky's return um and now you kind of have charlotte you know in the driver's seat for the women's division on you know smackdown um which i'm fine with 
you know, until, you know, Becky comes back because it'll mean Becky's return will be huge. Hmm. But if it's something where she could have returned and they held her off camera, I thought it was a, a missed opportunity on her point, on their part, because it really felt like, you know, she's got so much momentum right now. You know, when Stone Cold went out because of that injury, you know, when he was white hot against Owen Hart, which we talked about before, mm. he was on camera the entire time. Like, he never really left the show. You know, he was just doing run-ins left and right and actually getting more heat, you know, behind him as a character. And people became, you know, he became even bigger. You know, it was almost, I mean, as sad as it was because he broke his fucking neck, it was a blessing in disguise for him. Um, so, I... You know, I felt like they could have done that with Becky, and maybe they still will, but I don't know. We'll see what happens, but I, I did dig this Charlotte. So, and I, I definitely want to see this match again, you mm. know, and it, it, they teased it um, a little where she said, you know, where are we at next month? You know, and they said TLC. She's basically Charlotte said, come see me. So we'll see what happens. And Rhonda addressed it on Raw also, saying that he she wants to kick uh, Charlotte's ass. So I maybe that happens at the Rumble. I don't know. I don't know. That would be a good spot for it, but does that mean that um, Ronda doesn't have a title then? I don't know. I'm not sure. Hmm. I'm not sure. Because, yeah, because would she be in... Or maybe it's just interference at TLC, and then they end up signing, like, a, another co-branded match, and we knew that was going to end up happening eventually. I mean, what they've really only been on... Right? This was the first year where they've been on the same pay-per-views. Mm-hmm. Right? So, Yeah. <laughs> They're already bleeding over, so it is what it is. But for this match, I'm willing to deal with it. Because <laughs> I did dig the shit out of this match. Uh, up next, last but not least, Brock Lesnar versus Daniel Bryan. Universal Champion versus the WWE Champion. What did you feel about this match? I love this match. I thought this was well put together. Um, you know, it starts off with you feeling like, oh my god, are we going to witness Daniel Bryan just getting fucking squashed by Lesnar? In the first, like, three minutes of this match, it really feels like that's what we're getting. Um, to the point, once again, where I felt uncomfortable, where, like, Lesnar fucking suplexes, you know, Bryan and just throws him. He did basically what he did to the Singh brothers uh, last Monday to, to Bryan. And Brian sold the shit out of it. Um, but it was like he landed directly on his fucking head. So it was pretty ugly. Um, but I think they played off that, you know, and that kind of expectation of, you know, oh my God, this is going to be another squash. Because mm-hmm. then slowly but surely, you know, Brian makes a big comeback. And it really, you know, Lesnar, luckily enough, you know, for Brian and for the fans, actually came to wrestle that night and was, you know, willing to work. Um, so they put on a really good match. You know, Brian had a great comeback. It really made you feel like he could actually win the match at at several different moments um, during the whole bout. Um, You kind of felt like, okay, Brian could actually pull this off here. That's crazy. There was a point where where I felt like uh, Lesnar was actually going to tap out. Um, But eventually, you know, Lesnar ends up at five in a nice little spot. And then Brian is kind of left laying there with a, a weird grin on his face. Um, you know, it was it was a fun match. Brian has been dreaming about this match for a long time. He's talked about it in numerous interviews. Um, so I feel like this has definitely been his plan. You know, I, I feel like he's mm. had this thing mapped out for a very long time. Um, I don't know if he saw him as saw himself as a heel. Um, you know, during this time, he definitely in the beginning of the match kind of worked it up. 
Um, but then he kind of brought the crowd with him, and then at the end of the match, he was, you know, back to his heel self, like, just smiling like a lunatic in the middle of the ring. So... Uh, did we learn anything interesting about him on SmackDown? Uh, yes, Christian. What did we learn on uh, SmackDown? He's lost his fucking mind. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so happy that they're not doing that weird in-between thing that they've been doing yeah. so fucking often lately with their heel turns, where it's very wishy-washy, and they're not fully committed. Um, Daniel Bryan is a true blue heel. So um, he was in the ring. He was talking mm. about his journey back to the All ring. All in third person. Yes. C- referring to himself as Daniel Bryan the entire time. Um, he started talking about, you know, how the fans, you know, for the fans it was a moment, but for him it was like a journey. And he mentioned, uh, what, what's the chamber called? The hyperbolic chambers. chamber. Multiple times that he would spend like multiple hours a day in this chamber just thinking about Daniel Bryan's dream. You know, mm-hmm. and it really kind of leads you to believe that he went insane in this chamber eventually. Um, you know, and that, you know, even though when things were tough for him, you know, the fans kind of left his side. You know, you start hearing less uh, yes chants and everything like that. And then you realize he just had his dream. And in that match against AJ, his dream took over the match. Um, and that's why he did what he did. My dream kicked AJ Styles in, in the, the balls. balls. Yeah, I feel like that's a quote, actually, <laughs> um, which I loved. So <laughs> this is the kind of heel I love. He feels, like, fully committed. He's not worried about the fans liking him. In fact, he actually wants the fans to hate him. Novel idea for a heel nowadays, <laughs> right? Um, you know, so this is a heel done right. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I was entertained, and I want to see more. You know, um, we didn't have AJ Styles on the show at all. We didn't have Becky Lynch on this show. This show felt like an afterthought, um, which is disappointing because this was actually, I wanted to see SmackDown more this week mm. um, than I wanted to see Raw. And they kind of really just, you know, let, let me die. I feel like they didn't capitalize on any of the momentum that they had. Yeah, they um, built up a lot, especially with Shane saying uh, there's going to be changes. If you yes. expect there to actually be. You had the Charlotte kind of heel turn. You had everything with Becky Lynch, and you had the Dan- Daniel Bryan heel turn. Literally everyone on SmackDown's fucking heel. <laughs> Literally the whole fucking brand turned heel. Um, I thought, you know, it's, especially with the Shane shit, I thought you know, we were going to see Shane turn heel here with, you know, SmackDown getting destroyed on Survivor Series. But unfortunately, that's not what happened. And maybe that's still to come next week, but they dropped the ball this week. I will say that. So, all right. Well, Damon, if you had to give this pay-per-view a five-star rating, what would you have given it? A rating out of five stars, I mean. Um, I'm going to say three. I'm going to say three stars. It would have gotten less if it wasn't for the last two matches. The last two matches really brought up the show altogether. You know, I actually dug the Nakamura-Rollins mm. match, but for me, really... You know, it was all about the last two matches. I'm, I'm going to say two and a half. Okay. Uh, just didn't do too much for me. It's not their worst pay-per-view of the year, but it was definitely not, for me, um, what I wanted. Yeah, and I think Ronda and Charlotte, like, that's actually up there for, like, one of my favorite matches mm-hmm. of the year overall at this point. So that definitely gave it a strong bump. But I could definitely see why you would give it a two. So, um, but yeah. So do we have any other wrestling news? 
Um, other than that, we had uh, for New Japan. Oh, well, not New Japan for AIG yeah, wrestling. Maybe news, not New Japan. <laughs> um, a trademark was put out um, recently for a uh, what was it? All Elite Wrestling. Um, and that would be through the Jaguars owner, uh, who was speculated before yes, to do heavily. a show with um, fucking Jim Ross, Chris Jericho, Cody Rhodes, and the Young Bucks. Yes. So it was speculated that, that he was going to be, the owner was going to be the backing, the financial backing for this show. And now I guess there's this trademark supposedly out there that's linked directly to the Jaguar like owner. So, um, it looks like we might have a new show on the mm. horizon. Um, you know, and I, I don't know what our sources are looking at. I don't know, like, is other, uh, websites reporting that or is it just one source right it's, now? It's, it's several, but it's, you know, it's definitely rumor okay. territory we're at. Okay. And I can always redact this next week. Yes. Well, when but. there's smoke, there's fire sometimes. So, <laughs> <laughs> most of the time. So. Uh-huh. It, to me, that's good news. Mm. So I'm excited with the prospect, you know, of another show. It's, if it's someone that's willing to put a lot of money behind it, and we'll see where... If you I have mean, Jim Ross and Chris Jericho mm. and Cody Rhodes, like, as the b- brain trust, you know, and you've got money, too, backing it, I'm excited, you know. Just, I mean, just looking at something that they you know what? with... Oh, you know what I didn't think about? They just actually... It was just out there that Jim Ross wasn't signing his New Japan deal. Hmm. Um. So that's actually that's interesting because I didn't even think about that. Like that would make sense. Like why would you? So, <laughs> you know, I totally forgot about the rumor at that point. Yeah, the cards are on the table. I mean, if if they were able to be so successful with such a small event like All In, and that's I mean that was a massive event for what they were doing. Just blueprint. Simple, I know simple, and they did it in such a simple way with just using YouTube. As their main like driving force to create this event. If you really look at it, it's like a pilot episode that they shot, you know, for you know potential backers, mm-hmm. you know, financial backers. So here's your pilot. Look how successful we did this amazing thing that no other independent like show has been able to do, um, you know. And that's just on word of mouth, you know, on limited marketing, um, just to show like where independent wrestling is right mm-hmm. now and what the buzz is like, you know, and for wrestling fans, um, that there's life out there, you know, besides the WWE, you know, so it's late. I can't even see WWE anymore, <laughs> <laughs> but it's true. So, I mean, there's, there's a hunger out there mm-hmm. for, you know, more product, a, an alternative product. So hopefully we'll be getting that. Yes. So, you know, not that New Japan's not, you know, scratching that itch or ROH, but more the merrier. And it sounds like, you know, from everything that we've heard, you know, in interviews with Jericho and the Young Bucks, they're talking about how great, you know, this like crossover, these crossovers are. And they don't see why this couldn't be, you know, the new format. And they'd hope to see it, you know, across the industry. Um, so it sounds like they would have an open mind to that, too. Mm-hmm. So... Um, it just it's it's what's best for everyone. So even WWE, because yes. I feel like they perform better when they have actual competition. Um, and that's always been the you know the, the truth American the way, Damon. Damn American straight, way. USA, USA. USA. <laughs> wake up the neighbors. All right, I think that's gonna do it for this episode. Oh um, my God, yes. 
Unless there's anything that you're thankful for, Damien. You know what, Christian? Here are some uh, podcasts that we're thankful for that we'd love to shout out. All right. All right. Um, You know, in the Thanksgiving spirit. um, First up, we have actually our new stablemate, the StatCast. They're joining the DCP uh, network. So, the StatCast podcast. Uh, your uncensored source for gaming and entertainment news. A member of the DCP Network. <laughs> That's music to my ears. Welcome aboard. Next up, we have Gal Walks Into a Comic Shop. Bob knows comics. Barbara never read them in her life. Weekly, we podcast about it. All right. Check them out. Give them a listen. Uh, we've got a fun wrestling podcast up next. Uh, Brotherly Love wrestling a philadelphia based wrestling podcast the duo that is just too sweet to delete catch us on itunes podbean and the pulse podcast network uh last but not least the unspoken podcast talk about sports um it's unpredictable uncensored and nothing is unspoken go ahead and give them a listen yes and if you if that's not enough for you there's plenty more on dramacityproductions.com Definitely head over there. Check the all our shows. It's a fucking great network. That's a great <laughs> network to be a part of. It is a great network. I can just tell how tired you are. Yes, right I am exhausted. <laughs> uh, we are on all the goddamn podcast platforms that you can possibly check out. Um, you know, that's Podbean, iTunes, the works, man. The works, the works. damn it. Uh, Google Play. <laughs> Google Play. Uh, make sure you go ahead and subscribe to us on all those formats. Yes. Make sure you give us a rating, give us a review. Um, it is our blood, our lifeblood of the podcast. Yes, Christian's actually showing his veins right now like you can <laughs> fucking see him. That's how I talk, man. Uh-huh. Like a moron. Um, <laughs> all right. <laughs> so if you're enjoying what you're hearing right now, you're listening to Them Guilty Aces. Uh, they're a local Chicago band. You can go ahead and check them out on iTunes. An awesome rockabilly band. Um, you can also, they've got a couple new videos up on YouTube, too. Yeah, so give cool. them a listen. Um, and if you're in the Chicagoland area, go ahead and check out a show. And if you're not, you can always check out their digital works. But we also have other digital music for you to check out. And that's our intro by Greg Grebner. That's right. Um, he's on SoundCloud right now. And you can follow him on uh, Instagram. And you know who also has an Instagram? Who's that, Christian? I mean, I have an Instagram. Oh, cool. But <laughs> it's not that interesting. It's locked. You can't see anything. So He's got like 20 followers. Yeah, probably. kind of sad. But you know who has a better Instagram? Who's that? Picture? We do. That's right. Definitely check out our Instagram. We post fucking memes, um, news articles, cool pictures I just happened to find. You know, there was that cool picture of uh, Becky Lynch with the blood on her face. That was That was some awesome fan art. Yes. Uh, Someone already has a shirt of that. I know. That's so, <laughs> crazy. But I mean, if it doesn't go... I hope the artist is actually getting a piece of that. Yeah, I know. I don't know, like... If that's connected. And we do, if we are using fan art, we do definitely try to give credit exactly. where credit's deserved. So, um, but yes, yes. Um, follow us. We're a worthy follow. Exactly. Also, we're on Facebook. We're on Twitter. Um, if you have any questions, go ahead and message us. We're a quick reply. Um, where else can you find us? Um, you can find us on Twitch. Uh, if you enjoy us, uh, definitely check us out on Periscope, Twitch. Um, and Facebook, because on Facebook you will also be able to see our live streams. Uh, we play video games. Well, I play video games. Damon just enjoys them. Yes, from Maybe. afar. 
One day I'll get him to play a game uh, at some point. If you get Super Mario Brothers, man, I'm in. I'll think about it. Uh-huh. <laughs> some Tyson knockout. Well, we'll do a we'll do a 50 turn um, Super uh, not, uh, Mario party. Oh, one day. Okay. And play for four hours straight. How's that sound? Now Mario Kart, we can talk about. I could probably Think play. I'll, I could probably do Mario Kart. I'll, I'll have to get a Switch at some point. Nah. Uh, <laughs> or WrestleMania 2000. You don't have an N64? What no, I don't have you? an N64. <laughs> I could probably find one for like 20 bucks, couldn't I? Probably, hmm. I would think. I there's, bought my N64 just for that game. Hmm. Just for that game. I'm, I'm assuming there's going to be an N64 Mini anytime now. I think they actually announced it already. Exactly. Yes, I don't know how I know that and you don't, but I think they, they announced it. Because I don't care about the maybe I'm, maybe I'm Maybe I'm the bigger gamer here. And that's going to do it for this show. <laughs> <laughs> my name's Christian. And my name's Damon. And that's the amazing nerd show. Gobble, gobble, bitches. And you have a happy Thanksgiving. This has been a Drama City production. And last night, last night when we invaded Raw, I got a taste of blood. I got a taste of blood when I beat the hell out of half of that women's locker room. And when I had Ronda Rousey screaming in pain when I had her in my armbar and, and make no doubts about it, that was just a taste of what I was going to do to her at Survivor Series. And take my word, even with a severe concussion and a broken face, I could still kick Ronnie's Rhonda, you're not the baddest on the planet. You're the luckiest. <laughs> <laughs>